Hale Varsity Radio, every weekday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m. On Thursday, show from counterread.com, Brandon Vogel, former Colorado football head coach Gary Barnett, and staff writer for The Athletic, Mitch Sherman, that and more. Hale Varsity Radio is the best sports talk radio show around. Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal have you covered every weekday, 4 to 6 p.m. with Hale Varsity Radio. Welcome to Hurt at Sports Radio. Top of the key, Adu gets it. Adu's going to give it back to Connect. He turns, bombs away a three, got again. What a barrage by Dalton Connect. Well, at some point, if you're Missouri, you're going to have to hedge out on that high ball screen, but they're not doing it. 58 52. Down Hall, slow bounce right in front of us here at the Marriott Center. Jackson. Jackson for three. Yes! He hits it left side! Ran into Klingon in there. Ashworth with the three. Pick it up where he left off. Creighton's already matched their total output from the first meeting. Miller set three. Three points tonight. And Green on the 4 2. Then off a nice little slip. Again, Charmin within the confines. Not fortunate. And the inbound taken away. Farabello is going to dribble it out. Blue Jays have never flown higher for the first time in program history. They've beaten number one. Good morning. Welcome into Nerd Out Sports Radio here on AM 590. ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. We're live on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. That's DB. I'm Robbie Lula, and we are... Got a lot to cover from last night. Yeah, what goings ons this morning, man? How you doing? Your I'm, voice is a little raspy. It's a, yeah. All right, let's get it going. Let's, let's, let's loosen get, up yeah, a little bit. Let's get it going. Get, get those vocal cords going. There's obviously no singing in the shower for you last night or this morning or whatever it is that you got inside that thing that you call a beard. And I see you got the man bun whipped up. We got Shane over here, man. Let's. Yeah. No, I got the you know I got the sinuses and so. Are you are you still a little under the weather? I feel fine. Yeah, I feel fine. It's just the I think it went sixty to thirty to sixty. Okay. And my sinuses were not having it. Okay. You know. What you I mean? seem very hurt right now. Yeah. Don't worry, I'll be over here. <laughs> yeah. Just cough into the old monster. We'll go this way over here. No, it's uh no I get I get like the sinus pressure and then yeah. I can't breathe through my nose. Who, and who'd, then, you, who'd you bring the germs to last night, Matt D. Marinas? Oh, Matty D. and our guy JP. Yeah. So. Did Jacob Padilla not get the bat? I gave the bat signal to Jacob Padilla to his face. To come out and this literally said, hey, Mm -hmm. I need you. Come see your boy. Yeah. But he's so stinking good natured. It's like I can't go in. What do you mean? You can't go in? Well, like, have you ever been mean to Jacob? No, I don't think so. I I never have. We've gotten in arguments. Yeah, what do those look like? He's very practical. They're just basketball arguments. No, no, he and I have those. I would call yeah. those discussions. Oh, uh, we've had a couple get heated. His delivery is sensational, though. It's like, 
Well, I mean, he'll hit you with like the matter of fact. Yeah, he's tone. very he's very factual. Yeah, he's very yeah. to the point. One hundred percent. You know, it's a matter of interpreting those facts. That's where we t- tend to differ a little bit sometimes. Yeah. So, did you end up going to bed, or like what happened? I did. Yeah. How I, come you didn't watch Nevada? How come you didn't watch the end of? Did, did you said did you have the library set? I think that's important. The library? Yeah, on my YouTube TV. Yeah. Yeah, I got it all set. I'm gonna. I, I actually watch Godzilla versus Kong, so I don't <laughs> even know why I'm over here capping. <laughs> no, I uh, I was I was I was knee deep in the in the upset last night. Yeah. Although was we're it, not what, calling it an upset for what, you because you called it. Yeah. Was there an upset? I mean, 15 over a one is technically upset. <laughs> yeah. That was that UConn was UConn was favored, so that that's was, an upset. Yeah, yeah, yes, they were. It was. So, so how about folks like loitering around the gate entrance area at four o'clock? That's aggressive. Was that a big? Was it a big game? I think it was pretty big. I I will say, I've been to basically every big game in the Coach Mack era mm-hmm. at the very least. Yeah. That was the loudest that place has ever been. Yeah, had. it was deafening. It was crazy. But I have another I have another thing for you. What's that? When you looked at the how much of that has to do with in in your opinion and mm-hmm. your in your recollection since thirteen or whatever, mm-hmm. twelve, uh had to do with the opponent. Oh, it was a lot. Okay. They hate Dan Hurley as yep. much as I do. Like, you could totally tell. Mm-hmm. There's vitriol. It, it is 100% personal. Oh, yeah. They hate Hurley. Yeah. Now, part of it is because Hurley chirps back at him, too. Yeah. Like, he, he's not one of those coaches that won't say anything. Uh, I believe he's dropped, if I remember correctly, because I've sat behind him several times mm-hmm. in those games, which still hasn't won a game in Omaha, just for whoever's keeping track here. But Tried to tell you. You did try and tell me. I wasn't as confident as you were. I should have listened. It wasn't even just the fact that they were going to win. It was how. Mm-hmm. It was the why. And how about this? How about our boy Jason Green? The greenhouse effect. Baby. Oh, man. We were both on that one. <laughs> so, he, But here's the thing. Can I just, I just want to go back to something and, and fawn and yeah, let's do I it. lament over the, my, why, my affinity for, for Jason Green. Okay. So, you know, we used to do the – the hoops podcast and mm-hmm. we'll probably get back to any preps at at some point if, if young Jacob wants to still be my friend yeah well if you ever feature fix your tweet and so um and i remember like since he since jason has been in high school and i'm not there were there were so and all of this greenhouse effect talk mm-hmm. farabello's minutes are going to get overshadowed yeah, I thought he was critical, especially with some of his on-the-ball defense at times when I felt like Creighton was kind of scrambling. Mm-hmm. Um, so Farabella will get a little overlooked. Excuse me, overlooked. Well, especially because Trey got into foul trouble in the second half. But so they needed him. So I remember, I remember a conversation that I had um, with, with 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 a great coach that has won a couple of state titles mm-hmm. at Miller North. And this kind man was at the grocery store. One Mr. Cannon, perhaps? Yes, mm-hmm. Mr. Tim Cannon. This was going into last season. Okay. And he said, you know, Damon. I said, hey, Coach, what's going on? This is a real story. You, mm-hmm. you see Coach Cannon, you ask him about this. And he, he said, I, I know, you know, you really like baseball. And, and that's your sport, and, you know, the football thing is obvious. He said, but, you know, I, I like your approach to basketball. Mm-hmm. 
I said, oh, why is that, coach? And talk to me. Well, I mean, you know these kids at the high school level, and you don't speak bad about the kids. I thought he was just going to go into this nice thing, mm -hmm. right? He said, but you said some things over the last couple of years, in particular, you know, about our team and, and, and Jason Green. And I just want you to know how much I appreciate you getting inside the stats with Jason Green. I said, oh, why is that? So, well, you, you talked about his weak side rebounding and mm. his, his help defense and his weak side defense and his spatial awareness. And he said, he's an amazing kid. I said, oh, coach, you don't understand. <laughs> like, he lives, you know, directly across the street from my daughter and he's played in my kiddo's organization, not my kiddo, uh, Mitchell's organization for a while. And he was the poster child. See, JG was the poster child. The first time that I have seen parents be interactive and say, hey, you know what? I know he's the biggest, tallest kid on the court, but he's not going to play with his back to the basket. Mm. So he only played with us the first couple of years, even though Alvin's teams were really good. Mm -hmm. Like he was probably the first really good player at a young age to say, ah, you know what? I want to handle the ball. Mm -hmm. But we had, I mean, we had some really good guards throughout so JG kind of went and did his own thing. Mm -hmm. His basketball IQ, I'm not going to go as far as to say like Savant or whatever, but he, he's extremely bright. Mm -hmm. Like just watch him on the floor. So when Coach Cannon was talking, he goes, and, and everybody's talking about who's going to play the four at Creighton and this. And he said, I was, I'm glad to see that you, that you brought up Jason Green because nobody's talking about that kid in this offseason. Mm -hmm. And I said, hey, I got in my car and had my, had my little mush, my shiitakes already <laughs> pre-cut. I, I knew what I was getting. We were going to do um, stroganoff. Okay, okay. That, that, so that's why I, I, I knew. And I, I was thinking about that for a second last night, right? Mm -hmm. his, his ability to stay with it. Mm-hmm. And just what's needed on the floor. Everybody, not everybody, Coach McEnough, because he and I had this conversation, uh, and, and Adam, too, uh, another one of my buddies that was really follows Creighton. Like Jason Green can shoot the basketball. Mm -hmm. and, and, and people, it's almost like he's been pigeonholed into kind of this role where. Yeah, the hustle glue guy. He can still, he can still stretch, and he's going to get much better. Oh, yeah. So when he when the the three caromed and he came back and he got the block mm -hmm. and it was like and Mac lost his mind, right? It was like celebratory. It those are the kinds of things that he has done his entire life. Yeah. You know, a, a shot would go up from, you know, Jane Jackson or one of these guys. I'm talking early in Millard North days, mm -hmm. and he was he was kind of the fourth or fifth piece this is hunt this is saint this is jade yeah. jackson i mean they had some fellas well that man max <laughs> yeah for a, yeah for a yeah the little too. pogo stick yeah. who's doing big work down at, at, at stanford and and he just got in where he fit in that's the and, and i can't tell you how much i appreciate that especially at the high school level mm -hmm. Cause a lot of these coaches man they they Oh, you know, you need better players. You need good. And remember, it's just what I said yesterday. Good players is part of it. Mm -hmm. Obviously. But I've had these, these spells where I'll tell you, like, sometimes people need to be good followers, too. Mm -hmm. Not everybody's a leader. Yeah. Some, you need good followers. So you, you can't have a room of, of, of 15 alphas, mm -hmm. right? Somebody, And I'm not saying you got to go all beta, but you got to – 
situ- your situational awareness is is super critical. And some of these teams that think they have these really good teams coming, a lot of what derails them mm-hmm. is not their talent. It's the fact that they they can't defer, and situationally they don't know where they need to be in the moment. Right? There's he he's unbelievable with that. He is, and his. His high school career uniquely kind of set him up for the role. One hundred percent. That's that's kind of yeah. That that's exact. This is not new to him. No, this is what he's been doing for the since his entire time at Miller North. The other thing that you brought something up there that not everybody can be an alpha, right? And I don't even necessarily buy into the whole like alpha male, whatever. At least not the way society. Kind Sometimes of you need to be a good right? follower. Sometimes the most alpha thing you can do is whatever is needed of you 100 percent, right everybody's like oh i'm the alpha i'm gonna go out and score 20 oh i'm the alpha i'm gonna go out and take 30 shots or whatever right tristan newton last night probably looked like more of an alpha than jason green right jason green and not that tristan newton didn't do what his team needed him too because they did he he was in a bind right they he did what he had to do for his team last night to even give them a shot right and it didn't obviously work out but Jason Green did exactly what was needed of him and, ne- and what his team needed. And we talked about this yesterday. He brings something to Creighton that they need so badly. Some athleticism, the, some defensive uh, ability. You and I were going back and forth last night about the, the many exchange that he had when Castle was trying to get into mm-hmm. the paint. And J.G. just stayed down, forced the tough shot. Then they got the leaky run out out of it. And let me and let me remind you who that like that's subtle, right? Yes. <laughs> that's a thing that's never going to show up. Yeah, it only shows up in film. And I was like, <laughs> and, and Coach Mack is going to call it out, but to to on stat sheets, on box scores, whatever, on highlight reels, that's not showing up. But I will. I'll, I'm going to tell you this because I'm glad I'm glad you brought up Castle. That is a consensus lottery pick this year. I know. He went head to head with Jason Green. Yep. And Jason Green got the better of him. Yep. Right? That was that was Jason Green's assignment. Castle couldn't even get shots off. I think he had six shots the entire well, game. What do you think was going on with Cam Spencer? Steven Ashworth was what was going on with Cam Spencer. I don't know no, about no, listen, that. Listen, listen I don't know about that. No, listen, because I was, I was watching Steven. I, 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 he, when a guy trails a screener that much... <laughs> No, listen. To I me. don't know about that. No, listen, I swear. Go back and go back. I, and watch. I'm, I'm, I'm watching real time. Talk to me. I'm listening. Okay, I'm listening because <laughs> I listen. I was doing the same thing as you because I, I started watching Ashworth because a lot of times when Creighton's defense is not good, it's because whoever is the trailer on those screens isn't getting through fast enough. Mm-hmm. And they're not able to push the ball handler into Kalkbrenner to make it a difficult shot. Steven Ashworth, whether it was on the ball screens or they were setting some of those screens for Cam Spencer without the ball up top, he was doing such a good job getting through that screen. Now, part of it's because Klingon was in foul trouble, right? So Klingon, after he got that second yeah, foul. Yeah, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't love that because, you know, at one point they were up 11-3, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So after Klingon got the second foul, he was a lot less aggressive on those screens. Mm-hmm. But Ashworth did an incredible job of not even trailing the screens. He was jumping through them and staying shirt to shirt with Spencer the entire game. Like, like just go back and watch a couple sequences. I was stunned by well, how good I, well, I he saw was. him get hammered on a ball screen and mm-hmm. it didn't get called. 
And yes. I thought it was because he tried to, you know, kind of get skinny in the hole and slide through. What he was doing, that's how he was getting through. But um, did you did you like I, – I see, I like the fact that they let him play. And I know UConn got the, the early quick couple of fouls with um, – What's what's his buckets that that uh, that that transferred from? Who the? I'm I'm trying to. Uh, he got the second foul for UConn, and it wasn't clinging. The wing. Who guy, am I missing? The wing guy. Uh, you're not talking Caravan. Nope. I mean, they got Caravan, Castle, Newton, Spencer. Those are the guys. Fudge! It's escaping me. And I, like I felt like that was the 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 big second foul in the first half. I didn't think it was clinging necessarily because I felt like Calk wasn't really going to work, and Creighton was kind of lo- off on the timing with all those lobs. Mm-hmm. I, although I did like the new wrinkles, like he they would go backside to the rim mm-hmm. with, with the ball screens i was yeah. like oh that's crafty like uh, that's that's kind of that's kind of new which is part of the reason why i liked i'll say that goes into what you were telling me yesterday which is why you like UConn or why you like Creighton last yeah, night yeah i just mac was going to be better than hurley yes and he was he was since and i think i said this to you during the game did you do you watch the action outside of like 15 feet yeah it's unbelievable and, yeah, I get it. Creighton hits some shots. Mm-hmm. But he's getting guys one-on-one. Yes. The, the, With their spot in their spots on the floor. Like, it's like the action is like 18 feet outside, you know. And I'm like, this is by design. The, like, it was very advantageous. The looks that Creighton got yesterday compared to the first game was night and day he just He just was better. And, yes – they hit some of those shots. Obviously, Ashworth kind of went on a heater there in the first half. To then he almost shot him back into the game. Yeah, he had a couple heat checks after halftime. But I say, I go, what is he doing? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you there. But you were also talking about, yeah, yes, they shot well. You're also talking about a game where Baylor Shireman only took seven shots, uh. right? It's not like everybody on the team was just on a heater. And yes, they shot fifty percent from three. That's a good number. That's not like a crazy number. Nothing back size. used to it again in, in, in hockey, mm-hmm. right? Because it used to be the stat, and then I was like, eh, it's kind of antiquated. Now I'm kind of like. Getting back into it? I'm, well, it's starting to matter a little because there's a lot of disparity in the NHL now. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a definite cliff where good teams drop off. Mm-hmm. But anyway, not to get into NHL. But um, Farabella was plus 16. Yeah. That wasn't by accident. Mm-hmm. Like and he played, again, he played super important minutes, especially in the second half, because there was a pretty decent stretch there where Trey Alexander had three fouls. Yeah, and, and if you're only going to play seven and a half guys, he's, he's the guy. You, those, your bench guys got to be good. And the, he, the two that you're playing. Right? I mean, Fred King got 12 seconds. Yeah. So strategically, did you understand what the – because it went right to the under 12. So he checked in at 12.01. There was a foul on the very next. So play. maybe he just wanted to get him thirty seconds. I think he because wanted- it was like four minutes of real lifetime, right? Yeah, it was. I actually timed it. It was it was right about three and a half, four minutes. That's weird because I did too. <laughs> well, I'm sitting next to Maddie, and he's like, "Hey, time this real quick," and I was like, "All right." Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> but, but I'm a goof. Like, 
Okay, so I'm not alone. Yeah, so it was about three and a half, four minutes of real time. But what I'm, I think Mac expected it to be longer than the 12 seconds. He probably thought, hey, it'll be a minute of game time. I'll get five minutes of real time. But they fouled almost immediately, right? Mm-hmm. So he didn't really get that exchange. But outside of that, I mean, what do we end up saying for minutes? Kalkbrenner played 40. Shireman play only played thirty two, which is still got the we. I think the goal, we were talking, man, and I was kind of like I thought Shireman was going to. I was 40. just talking like thirty plus, yeah. right? So he still fit the bill. Alexander thirty four, even with the foul trouble. Shireman would have been at thirty eight, but he had the first half foul trouble. Mm-hmm. Ashworth played thirty seven, which that's a big number for him because he's usually the lowest of those yeah. four. And then Miller actually played pretty good minutes. He played. He got eighteen. Got lost a couple times defensively, but hit some big shots as well. So that was big for him. But 16 minutes out of Jason Green, 23 Three from minutes. the wing in front of Creighton's bench was a silencer. He had a couple <laughs> corner pocket threes. That's <laughs> like, ugh, icy. Because it didn't feel like he was in the rhythm of the game. At all. Not at all. Because Jason Green had played so well in the first half mm-hmm. that they, I think Max said in the postgame presser, they're like, hey, you know, Jason's probably going to go back in because how well he's playing. So let's draw something up for Mason, see if we can get him in the game a little mm-hmm. bit. And then he cashed one, and they're like, ah, I guess we'll leave him in for another minute. And then he cashes another one. But uh, did you notice what they were doing on those they kicks? They uh, on those kicks to the corner. So uh, in, in Connecticut, when they lost that game, they were going up and challenging Klingon all the time. Yeah. And he was batting him off the backboard, and he was, it was, they couldn't get anything against him, right? Because he's too big, and if they're not going to call it when he gets into your body, there's nothing you can do. So they would get to the baseline. How many of those corner threes came off of penetration and kick across to the corner? Yeah, what, so when, when, I was, when I was talking to you during the game, mm-hmm. and I was talking about Sherman getting his shots, mm-hmm. when I said dribble and kick th- – that's what I'm talking about because those guys would slide down on the action late, mm-hmm. so it made it tough to get back out. Yep. Right? Yeah. And what, Because and I think they would play peekaboo, right? You're like, ball you, man. Mm-hmm. And they would look, and I think they they'd felt like they the, knew where he was going to be, and then he would slide and he wouldn't be there. They'd catch him out of the corner of their eye. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've drawn this action up before for my guys on, on, on baseline penetration. You catch him out of the corner of your eye at the wing, the weak side guy, mm-hmm. and so you think you're good, and you think Klingon has the baseline covered, but he doesn't because he's going for the block, right? And so if you wait, like you said, till last second to shift the weak side guy to the corner, they got open so many times on that action. And it, one or, once or twice, you're like, ah, oh, maybe it's an accident or whatever. It happened over and over again. I, you know that's something that Mac had him work on. I felt like... It- It'll show up in the stat sheet as an assist, but you're like, oh, you know, Trey had an assist. But I felt like there were some times where he would hit his mid-range and then he would get into the lane and kick it back out when he could have done what he just did two possessions earlier. Mm-hmm. And he, and they got a better look. I, I, I tell this to, to Caleb all the time. I said, the minute your team – well, there's two things the West Side's got to do. They got they to commit to playing good defense. Mm-hmm. And – the first open guy doesn't have the best look. It's the next open mm-hmm. guy. When they do that, they got a chance. You saw it a ton last night. The first guy was open. The next guy was more open. Wide open. 
So, and, and that's a good defensive team they did it to last I want to talk about Trey. That's an incredible defensive team they did it to last night. Well, they're not Houston. Uh, no, but I'm they're about playing. the next best. <laughs> we'll talk more about Creighton and their victory last night on Hurtout Sports Radio. You're listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. 12 on the shot clock. Shireman to his left hand. Shireman looks to drive. Goes under the basket. Comes out the other side with five. Now comes all the way around. Step back two. Yes! Oh, Baylor Shireman with two huge buckets. 5.35 to go. Jay's up by 14. Ah, yes. Ah, yes. Welcome back to Red Hat Sports Radio here on AM590. No, no, no. ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. We're live on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube as well. I don't know if uh, I don't know if Dan Hurley's got a lawyer, but he might be feeling a little personally injured last night from some of the chants from the student section. You guys were just outwardly cussing. What's wrong with you? Not, don't, I wasn't in there. You probably were all in. I wasn't mad about it. You were up there it. in the boozy. Well, so do you guys cheer up there? Um, you're not supposed to, but it was like me, Maddie, JP. Young Jacob. Uh, I think the guy from Jay's 24-7 was up there. Is he a good dude? I don't know him at all. Yeah, he, does, he doesn't say much out loud. It, yeah. Well, I don't see him openly talk. He's probably like, well, what do you know? Because I'm a stalker. Yeah, I don't, I don't know him really at all. But the uh, – yeah, no, I was – I was cheering. The other two are more professional than I yeah. am. Yeah, you're a child though. I am. Yeah, I'm. Especially childish. for an old, curmudgeonly soul. Oh yeah, I, I, there are certain teams in certain situations where I can't take the fan hat off. Yeah. And, and Creighton basketball is one of them. Like I, especially in the moment, Creighton basketball and Nebraska football in the moment, I'm gonna be a fan. Yeah. So I can dissect it after. If the late great Brooke Behringer would have got drafted and. Oh yeah, and and would you would that have been your favorite team? Absolutely, that, that, been, was, that was your dude. I was I really wanted the 49ers to draft him like badly. <laughs> that's awesome. Like I really wanted the 49ers to draft. You him. have some problems, but that's okay. Well, what kind of problems I got? I just I wanted know. my favorite team to draft my guy. Some like, some, some deep seated stuff. Oh yeah, well yeah, that's what therapy's for, DB. I spent some time and some coin there. Um, <laughs> but our guy, Danny Hurley, if he was feeling personally injured last night, he might need to call our friends over at Dyer Law because if you've been hurt in a personal injury accident, you can count on the Dyer Law team to provide you with a helping hand when you need it, no matter what you're dealing with. Call the Dyer Law team, 402-393-7529, or visit Dyer.Law to chat with trusted professionals about your personal injury claim. That's D-Y-E-R dot law. Shane, you going to be okay? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Well, you seem very hurt right now. Nah. You all right? You seem very hurt right now. Uh, just, just, just don't be like Shannon Sharp. Before, he's, he's doing some stuff. Uh, before I, I'm, I'm, con, I'm concerned. In what sense? About Shannon. Do you like want to do this? Um, I mean, if you want to. He, he's just doing too much right now. Like, he, when you're in the middle of everything mm-hmm. all the time, yeah. you, you got to peel back. Yeah. And and a lot happened to him fast. Like he hit the he you know, once he left, you know, Skip and kind of did his own thing and Club Shay Shay was already rocking. Now it's bigger and like he's he's just doing too much. Is Club Shay Shay a big deal? Yes. Okay. Yeah, have you seen the numbers? I haven't seen the numbers. Yeah, it's ludicrous. Okay. Cause it it's not really f- And I don't mean the Cat William Shave Your Side Burns. Luda? 
conspiracy ludicrous. I mean, like that's the honestly that's the most I've seen from that show is the Cat Williams stuff that was like way off the oh, wall. Oh, he said everybody. Um, and, and I just it's not for me. I don't particularly enjoy his style. And so I had I, I knew that it was a thing. Mm. I didn't know how. I'm, I'm concerned. Big I, I could thing. see a crash and burn. Yeah, it seems like he's a little overexposed right now. And he's angry. Yeah. Do you think he's angry about how things went down with Skip? <sighs> no, no. I, I think sometimes in a position like that, you, you're so used to controlling the narrative. You want what you say. Mm-hmm. And have everybody just listen to it. Like you, I think you just want to corral everybody, sit in a room, and say, "Now just listen to me." This, mm-hmm. but instead he's having to address each little pocket at a time. Sure, because something will pop off, and then he has to address. Go it. get that, and, and be like, like "Hey, you, you know what I mean?" Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, kind of like JJ Reddick eviscerating Doc Rivers to a smaller extent. That which happens. is a beautiful thing because I love JJ Reddick. Yeah, and I don't love Doc Rivers. Um, but I don't either. It happens in a smaller degree with, with what we do, where somebody will take something out of context. And you kind of have to go, hey, no, oh, that's I've not dealt what with I it said. for. Yeah, the entire time you've been doing this, right? 100%. And you have to go, hey, that's not what I said. I need you to go back and listen. People see better than they, they, they hear, obviously. Sometimes, you know, <laughs> and they hear secondhand even better than they see. And I think people process it through their what they already think filter. Yes, people hear what they want to hear. That, that's my jam, right? Like, yes. I, whatever it is you feel about a situation is kind of how you. You put it through the colander or strainer or whatever it is you people use. I had this. And not you people like. Like Indian people? Like tandoori or curry or turmeric. I just mean you people as in. I prefer like a butter chicken or like a butter (laughs) paneer. I'm just saying, don't sleep on the paneer. The paneer is legit. I I don't even recognize what we're doing. But. Um, No, the the first time. My bad. The first time I realized that it was, I was having an argument about Matt Campbell. Mm-hmm. And whether or not Matt Campbell was a good football coach. And this was before – this was year four Frost, so when it was looked like he might get fired. And, and I was dying on the hill that Matt Campbell would be a good hire. I get he wouldn't be the sexiest hire, but I, I was dying on the hill that Matt Campbell would be a good hire. And then I acknowledged, hey, with the way Iowa State's going right now, because they'd had a couple losing seasons in a row, I think. Like couldn't couldn't beat Iowa. I was like, hey – you probably can't make that hire right now if you're Nebraska. I don't think that means he's a bad football coach or that he wouldn't do well here. I understand. Right? When I said that, some of the people outside of radio that I was having arguments with say, oh, see, you finally backtracked on, on Matt Campbell. I was like, no, that's not what happened at all. Perceptionally, I said you probably can't hire him. It's confirmation bias. Yeah, they heard exactly what they wanted to hear, and I was like, oh, so you just don't listen. That's what I learned out of this conversation. Can't get them all. Uh, Let's try and listen to our guy TK here, who is on the War Horse Sportsbook hotline, wants to talk a little Nebraska football non-con schedule. Uh Uh-oh. On the War Horse Sportsbook hotline. TK, what's going on? Oh, what's going on, boys? How we doing? What what do you got, UTEP, Colorado, Northern Iowa on the brain? What do you mean non-con? What's going on? Well, I feel like, you know, a penguin. Since the Tom Chattel article came out, we've had a lot of people complaining that uh, you know they're not going to get their money's worth for these non-con games. You know, who wants to come see UTEP? But at the same time, we're complaining that we're playing Minnesota, Oklahoma, and all these <laughs> really hard games yeah. early on in the season. Yeah. So you can, in my opinion, you can be one. You can be one of the two, but you can't be both. And it seems like there's a lot of both out there. Yeah, it's interesting, right? It's, uh, you know, we 
we, we look at teams that play eight-game conference schedules and, 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 and play a powder puff in, in November, and it's like, oh, man, that's the path. And then it's, well, why are we playing X amount of conference games and the television revenue and we're not, we're not top-heavy enough in terms of having a representative? And then you set up a schedule that gives you the opportunity because you play in a brutal conference. Yeah, especially, especially starting next year. And we're, we're, yeah, I'm not mad at all, TK. Play all the UTEPs, Colorados, yeah. and Northern Iowa's you want. Because if exactly. what – Exactly, especially – If history tells especially me – Especially since – Go ahead. Especially Go. since, you know, after USC fires uh, Lincoln Riley at the end of this year, they're going to have, like, a real coach who can play both sides of the ball. Yeah, you know what? It's going to be much harder for a pass because you know Nebraska is going to get that, that helmet game a lot. Yeah, so do you remember this was a couple – this was in a former life, and I said – but I, I have said it since the transition Mm -hmm. nebraska won't get back to prominence until they start doing what at home tk winning you have to win at home Mm -hmm. right like that's the key do you realize what coach rules record was at home last year i couldn't tell you off the top of my head but i know four four and three Mm, not good enough but the best home record since i don't know when yeah that's fair so until Nebraska, uh, that's scary, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Four yeah. and three was the best home record for a head coach at Nebraska in football since 2016. Four and three. Until Nebraska starts winning games at home, they cannot restore any sort of order. So why 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 are we complaining about what the non-con looks like? You're going to get your teeth, you're going to get your chompers fixed in the conference slate. Just chill. Just chill. That's my that's my soapbox. Okay, well you need to go tell Sharpie that. <laughs> Hey, listen. Hey, he's probably just yeah, reading. He, he he's listen. He's probably uniform. just reading headlines. Yeah, Sharpie ain't doing no homework. <laughs> no, I'm playing. Oh, and, I, and I would be. No, I'm just serious. I would be remiss to not to not give you guys, you know, you Blue Jays a, a standing ovation. Wait, who's you, you Blue Jays? You mean Robbie? That, uh, we've done for multiple multiple times this season. <laughs> Uh, one time, one time the season beat number one. That's all. TK, we he couldn't get out without a scud. All right, TK. TK, we appreciate the call on the Warhorse Sportsbook Hotline. Coming up next, we'll wrap up our number one. Yeah, it's because you love Coach Mack. You're a J now. I, I do love. I do have a weird affinity for he Coach Mack. He's a great dude. Uh, we will be back to wrap up the hour on Herd at Sports Radio. <laughs> You're listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. Jays win! They knock off number one in dominating fashion. 85 to 66. It's a mob scene on the floor. Wrapping up hour number one here on Herd House Sports Radio, AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. We're live on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. We were just talking to our guy TK on that Warhorse Sportsbook hotline. Just reminding you, you can go place your sports bets 
in person at Warhorse Sportsbook in Lincoln or in Omaha. That's the Horseman's Park in Omaha, 6303 Q Street. They've got every, nearly every major sporting event covered from pro and college football, basketball, baseball, golf, MMA, soccer, Cricket and highlight. more. Man, I'm a big cricket guy. Don't stop, get me started. Stop I it. love me some stop cricket. It. Uh, my hometown team won the uh, Indian Premier League a couple years ago. <laughs> Your hometown team? Well, my where my family's from, Gujarat. <laughs> oh. What? I don't know if you can bet on cricket at Warhorse. I'll have to go check it out. You might be able to. It's nearly nearly every major sporting event, but the the hours may not line up for, for cricket. I, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to move on. Okay. You about to say something get you in trouble? You don't get to selectively pick when you want to represent <laughs> the Indian culture. When it's to your when it's advantageous. Why not? You're the same guy that seven months ago were like, yeah, man, Indian food is kind of overrated. I don't eat it that much. <laughs> I don't think it's overrated. But then come back today and tell me about buttered chicken. I don't think it's overrated. I just don't usually crave it. Okay. Like, And my wife gets mad because she loves Indian food. Yeah. She's like, I married the one Indian guy that doesn't like Indian food. Um, Shane thought that was funny. I, uh, That's going to be a drop. He's terrible. I, uh, I, and I like Indian food. I'm just not going out of my way to have Indian food. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I understand. But, I understand. Listen, I'm only half Indian, so half the time I can represent, half not, the time I can do other stuff. Not to go all Al Campanis, but, like, how come you guys don't hoop? Because we're all about 5'9 topsies, DB. Oh. It's not a buoyancy thing? No. <laughs> it's a... My dad is like five. Sorry, <laughs> Bill's like, my damn, DB. dad is like 5'3". It's okay. I got the I got the good end of the genetics, if you can believe that. I, I just which seems wild, right? Like, on death. I, well, hey, how about Bill Belichick coming to Nebraska I coaching won clinic? The Indian genetic lottery. That's what this looks like. <laughs> Who's gonna have the best hoodie? Um, Warhorse Sportsbook. You can go place your bets. <laughs> Bet on whether or not me and DB will be on the air by the end of the week. I don't know if that's. A I asked Coach yet. Rule for a zip up. Is that bad? No, I get it. That's a cool zip up you're wearing today. I like that. You one. like this one? That's a cool one. Uh, almost as cool as Warhorse Sports, but good over there. Make your bets. No bets, no glory. Those are our friends. You in a good mood or what? He said his dad didn't like my impersonation. <laughs> I'm in a great mood. I felt like my Coach Rule impersonation is on point. Oh, it's pretty good. I think so. You. you, you, you. So he had on the. Have it, you seen my Mavs one? Yeah, yeah. The, the gray quarter zip with the with no no. It's full zip with no sleeves. Oh. So he I has a he has a one. red Nebraska. <laughs> I'm on this black kick. Say, he has a like, he has a black Nebraska zip up one. He has a red. Is that like where you used to grow up? Was Nebraska? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Touche. <laughs> Shane, they call that to get back. <laughs> Tell me You've been sitting on that? No, you just oh, you just like misspoke, and I was like, "That's funny." Okay, <laughs> back to hooping. <laughs> I know, Coach Hoiberg. I know you got a big one tonight, and we're gonna get to you when we talk to. We will. I before Bitcoff. before we put the uh, Creighton thing to bed, though. I do want to all say, heads to bed. I do want to say I talked to him yesterday, Foreman. Oh, Foreman. I had laughed that well. There's our show, and it has been hysterical lately. So yeah. maybe I have laughed off air though. He had me in tears yeah. yesterday. Oh God, when he goes off, 
and I think it does it kind of sneak up on you. Yes, because he's so low key, <laughs> and it just escalates. You know, and the way he, the way his voice is, and I don't know Jay real well. He's great. I've only interacted with him a little bit, mostly over Twitter, uh, but I've met him in person a couple times, and like he's so like his voice is so low key, and he's kind of. He's he's got that kind of low rumble voice yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like it would catch you off guard when he says something out of pocket, and you're just like, "Wait, what?" And he what and I, happened? we we have kind of a unique chemistry. Sure. So like it just a little banter, a little back and forth. Oh man, I I just Jerry <laughs> wasn't feeling well, so she's kind of trying to chill, and she's like. Why is this dude what's, practically falling down the stairs <laughs> laughing at this guy? What's happening right now? See, he's got that just like real kind of, I don't say this in a bad way, but almost monotone. And so when his inflection doesn't change, but then the words. Well, I him. and I didn't say anything yeah. for like four straight minutes. He's just going on. A, I, I just listened. He's just monologuing on you. Oh, gosh. Yo, I was in tears. Um, he's like, no, no, no. Serious. <laughs> it was like. <laughs> Before the show gets even further off the rails. Um, and before we move on from the the Creighton win last night, you know I'm the club champion. El champion. My ball striking is off the hook right now. All right, I got one more. Okay, go ahead. Just go ahead. You better be a bad. You know what? If you think you're just gonna come in and start over me, do I need to still be here? Or are you guys good? No, we're good. Okay. Um, the. I did want to just say one thing Is real it quick. Is hot in here? I'm fine. I'm all right. You running a fever uh, over there? You okay? I think my T-shirt's too tight to just wear it. Is plain. Just rocking the, rocking the. I don't like being that guy. Up a little bit, you nah, know. Nah, nah. Man down, man down. <laughs> no. <laughs> Our guy Nick Ba. Uh, no, I, I, you know, Max said something in his press conference last night after the win, uh, talking about how this was sort of the culmination of a lot of different people over a really long time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I was sort of thinking about that towards the end of the game, and I didn't really want to say it out loud because, you know, I didn't want to, you know, I'm, I'm a little superstitious. Didn't want to jinx anything. And, you know, UConn's making the run back to getting down 10. And was that the – that was the most tense 10-point game I've ever seen in my life. Like, they didn't get within single digits in the second half. And everybody in that building was was puckering at ten. Well, because you know why? Because the shot selection was so atrocious. Yes, like yeah. you just—it just was a stretch where you're like, "Yeah, what are we doing here? What are you doing?" They were trying to throw kill got, shots. Got, got, got a little loosey goosey. Yeah, they were trying to hit kill shots, and they and they the shot selection got away from them a little bit. But um, I, I'm I'm having this thought, and then Matt kind of brings it up in the in the post game presser, where I. I've been a Creighton fan for as long as I can remember. You know, I'm, I'm talking like real – my earliest memories are Rodney Buford, Ryan Sears. Really got into the court. Ryan era. Sears, great guy. That's what I've heard. I don't know. Great guy. Um, like you want us here? Yeah, let's talk, we, let's talk to him someday. Fantastic guy. He's, um, he's and, doing a FCA. You know, and the, like the biggest deal in the world for me when I was a kid was when I would get to go to a Creighton game and somebody would have tickets or whatever – and I remember watching on, like, local acts. Like, there was – they used to have games on PBS not that long ago, mm -hmm. right? They would still have a couple games a year on Nebraska uh, public media. They would have, you know, KMTV or KM3, whatever they call it now, 
would broadcast games locally not that long ago. And those were my favorite games of the year because those were the only ones I got to watch outside of every once in a while. So I'd listen on the radio and whatever. On the radio. Big radio guy here. Um, but it Robbie was – Little for radio. There was a moment where I got like just a tiny bit emotional for a second because – What? Yeah, uh, hear me out. Okay. As this is playing out, right? Because think of where – think of the, the scene I just described. I, I'm just going to say this. We're on the verge of not – being friends anymore. You say that every day. <laughs> now, now, though, this one, this... It loses all meaning to me. Okay. All right. I Roll the dice. Go I ahead. I don't believe you anymore. It'd be like the opening scene in Harlem Nights. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> Told you I don't like them kids. <laughs> well, that's like every day of my life. Um, Roll the dice, man. <laughs> no, I was... It was a big deal for me going from watching this team that... You know, if you make the NCAA tournament, that's a good year. And, you know, the NIT is acceptable and whatever. And you're playing in a mid-major conference and you, you don't get a ton of national respect. Okay. To watching it grow into this thing where they just kind of dog-walked the number one team in the country over the course of one of the better 38-minute stretches of basketball you're ever going to see. See? At least I, this season. I, Who's played a better? I mean, who's played a better game than that this season? So you didn't watch FAU against uh, South Florida this weekend? Not all of it, no. There was a stretch where there was the most unbelievable shot making sure. that I had seen, and FAU was not going to win that game as South Florida ran that thing up to a nineteen point. Lead. Okay, but a, it's just a microcosm. Opponent matters as well. Yes, like UConn's better I, I, than I, I, FAU. Listen, okay, I apologize. I am not. This is not ODB. Raining on your parade. I'm going to let you have your emotional moment, but I'm just telling you, in the context of what you're getting ready to say, mm-hmm. you made a run to the Elite Eight last year, and it was a magical moment. It was. And that was just last year. Yeah. So I, that, 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 no, that's I'm not, all. No, and I'm not taking anything away that's all, from. That's all I'm saying. I'm not taking anything away from the Elite Eight. I'm not taking anything away Damon from. Damon Benning for peeing in your Cheerios. I'm not taking anything away from Dana Altman. I'm not taking anything away from Tony Baroni. You want to go all the way back? Like, but I will say, what do you know about T. Bizzle? N- very, very little. Yeah. Um, you have to. You owe, owe a, a huge amount of where Creighton is as a program to Doug and Greg McDermott. And I just sort of, not for the first time, but like appreciated it in a different way. That this program is in a place where, growing up as a Creighton fan, I never thought it would be in. Because of a lot of people, but a lot to do with one family, right? And that kind of, I was just really appreciative of yeah. the time Coach Mack, Coach Mack and Doug and what they've done for a program that I genuinely care about. Uh, my super guy. Yeah, they've done an unbelievable job. I don't know Doug near as well, but. But they probably don't make the jump to the Big East without the run that Doug was on. 100%. And so I just wanted to appreciate the McDermott family for a second. That's all. I'm not trying to say anything crazy. Go get your hoop game right. (laughs) You're listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. Here is Husker 24-7 senior writer, Brian Christofferson. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a little bit of a circus act. Brian Christofferson. Well, I mean, that's that's pretty interesting. Brian Christofferson. <laughs> I, I kind of enjoy that. Here is Brian Christofferson. 
kicking off hour number two here on Herd at Sports Radio, AM 590, ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. We're live on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. We are joined now on the Warhorse Sportsbook Hotline by Brian Christofferson of Husker 24-7. BC, what's going on, man? Oh, not a lot. How are you guys doing? BC, I'm, I'm just so happy to talk to you. I'm, I'm almost trending. It's two weeks in a row. I didn't, I didn't know if I would be in this position to talk to you as a as a peer and a, and, a, and a co-worker again, man. So uh, good Monday to you, man, or good to, good Wednesday to you. How are things? Yeah, what, whatever day it is. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's good to talk to you in whatever the day may be. Well, it's, 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 it's all a blur. I, I, I thought of you the other day because our, our schedules came out for high school, and okay. we, we open up with, with <laughs> the Omaha North Vikings. I, I was uh, like, "Oh, how convenient, <laughs> isn't that be cute?" Yeah, 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 yeah. And I and I immediately, I immediately thought of you, and uh, I, I figured you'd like that because it will be a monster matchup with arguably two of the best twenty twenty fives in the state lining up yes. to play against one another. Be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll. I'll brag on my uh, old school bit. I, I'm proud of like how that program is has rose up since I when I was in high school. Um, we were trying, man. We were trying, but we were like four and five every year, and you'd maybe get into the 16 team playoff field. So mm-hmm. it's been uh, it's been a quite a jump they've made to be the type of program where they're in the hunt um, for the playoffs every year, but also there's two or three prospects you're like man they're freaking good and they're beyond that guys who can play elsewhere beyond nebraska obviously so yeah that i'll i'll look forward to that uh and i'll i'll try to be as impartial as possible as you know yeah there were some parallels to to nebraska right because you know i think early on you know because i think people think that coach martin just got to north and boom it turned around right away right but in from 1999 on it it wasn't like that so it started with getting guys like Philip Bates and and Green and yeah. and and Niles Paul, and then it it flipped with getting Calvin Strong and that class to come. Is that can that be a thing in college where it starts with a bell cow in a class? I think mm. we saw it at Nebraska from '91 to '92. But then I also know there were the things like the Unity Council and kind of this philosophical morphing of defenses. So that mattered too. Can can a class kickstart a program in 2024? I think it's possible. I also think there's something to be said. I'll, I'll bring this uh, question a little bit to the in-state recruiting they did in the last class and how many guys they, they locked up. And I, I was listening to Rule do one of his interviews the last week, and he, he had a funny line, but it was an interesting one about those in-state kids. He's like, they're not Huskers, they're Corn Huskers. He was, you know, he was putting that emphasis on <laughs> yeah. it. They, 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 have a, they have a little extra something in their step about this program. They've been mm-hmm. around it. They've heard the talk radio all their lives about, oh, they can't get over the hump. And, you know, that's what their lives have been like with it, different than ours when we were growing up. And, uh, you know, they're here to do something about it. And when you have those type of guys and you can kind of 
multiply the numbers with those type of personalities and, and guys who have seen it up close. I do think there's something to be said. Now, obviously, you got to have the talent to combine with the want to, but I think there's a lot of them in this last class and in the classes to come that are in this state. Um, and when you were asking that question, I was thinking about in-state guys, really, particularly how that can jumpstart something. Um, and, you know, every class, uh, recruiting class, when it's signed, I always think about there's, like, three or four guys in it where, like, even their base floor is good to me. Like, it, it, I'm going to try to make make this make sense but like even if it they just hit their base floor when they're in college i think they're going to contribute and then i'm really excited what like the ceiling might look like and i think there's a lot of the in-state guys who have that where it's just like i feel like there's going to be some level of success that they're going to bring to the program um and now it's just a matter of how high does that ceiling go up in the sky and that that that's the cool part so uh when you get guys like that um you know I'd brag on your son about it a little bit. I think Caleb's one of those guys where it's just like, I think he's going to contribute. It's just a matter of like, you know, what level is that reach? And when you've got those type of players, that's an exciting thing, I think. Yeah, I typically don't let him read my text, but I remember, <laughs> it's just funny that he said that. Because, th- and this is a true story, BC. This just kind of goes to show you how your feel is good. So, you know, Dom obviously and I talk a ton, and and he said, hey, it'll be cool for – um. A, a, a Rayola who who's got a who's a, a really good quarterback in this class to join a class with a Benning when we got to try to turn the corner. Now I don't I'm not saying uh-huh. and he said I, I'm not saying Dylan is T phrase and he joked with me because Caleb is certainly better at this stage in his career than I was at mine in high school. But it would be nice if this was the start of something cool. And I and I and I let Caleb I'm like hey. We're in the car, and I'm like, hey, I said, this this kind of gets me in my feels. And you know me. Like, I'm not a nostalgic guy. I don't love pictures. I don't reminisce. But I felt like that was kind of cool for for Dom to say about a, a Rayola and a Benning. And Caleb looked dead at me and said, we're going to win. Not mm-hmm. sure when, but we're going to win. All I know is winning. <laughs> and I just was like, it sounds like something Abdul told the 92 class mm. when we got there. He and Dwayne Harris and Dumas, like, took, they were like, we're going to win. Not sure mm. when, but we're going to win. So it kind of allowed me in my head to dream a little bit that, that this is actually on the horizon. Yeah, um, that definitely comes across having with this last cycle and the guys who signed and we were putting that class to bed but i i do think they when you did interviews with them that came across to me probably more than than some past years where there was just an expectation like this is going to happen it's not a it's not a question of if it's just a how and when um and so yeah that, that does matter too i think when you stack up guys um and there's a lot of them in this class who have come from from winning programs. Not everybody, but they're they're used to that sort of success. And I think I think it matters to have, have find those guys where uh, they hate losing as much as they like winning. You know what I mean? Like I, I think that is a big deal. Like when you can find those type of personalities anymore. And I think they've got some of them in this class. Just gauging off the the times I've talked to them. 
and uh, obviously got to do it at a different level. We'll see how that translates, but um, I could I can see that there's some drive there uh, with with guys, and um, I do think in some of those instances that that in-state component, or in the case of of Ryle, uh, the, the, the just the connection, the heart to Nebraska football that he's had as a as a child, uh, that that means a lot, you know. And um, uh, not every class has it as much as this one, I don't think. We're talking with Brian Christopherson from Husker 24-7. BC, I'm kind of trying to listen here and go through like my mental Rolodex as Damon's talking about classes that can kick off or kind of reset a program. You know, we've seen it not work out, right? I remember a handful of years ago, Old Miss has the number one class in the country with like Robert Kimdiche, and it just doesn't go anywhere, right? They, they you know, they've, they've got, uh, who was the, uh, Laramie Tunsil, guys like that, right? And it yeah. doesn't go anywhere, right? Because to me... The culture wasn't set. Yeah, when it's the not, class not got just about there, having good right? players. So getting the class matters. Do you think that you mentioned the in-state recruits, and you got my wheels turning a little bit here? Do you think the good class of in-state recruits, not just guys that all oh, they're Nebraska guys, so we want them, but talented guys that are also from Nebraska, can help set that culture where a guy like Dylan Rayola can kind of be the bell cow that DB was talking about? The culture's kind of already set, which is. Mm-hmm. It's impressive the, the after cool, year the one. The cool thing, right? Yeah. Like, cool maybe is not the word. BC has a better word. But you know what I mean, though, BC? Like, the, the, the culture is kind of regulating itself already. I think they yeah, poured the concrete, but, like, you got to let it set, right? Yeah. Am yeah. I wrong? I am. BC? Yeah. Yeah, well, I I think both I think both parts of it um, have some truth to it, but I I, I get where Damon's coming in there. I, I feel like when you've heard Rule talk in recent weeks, um, he, last year at this time, everybody's trying to figure out, and there's even some nervousness over there. What what is like Matt drills and stuff all about with this particular staff? Like, what does that look like? What are they? What hoops are they going to make us run through? Is it going to be something that aligns? Uh, with what I'm thinking, maybe there, and and also, is it going to be successful for for me? Guys are wondering that, and I think this year there's a feeling, just listening to the head coach speak on it, that there's a a very high percentage of guys now who see like, yeah, last year was good, and I I saw how I made strides as an individual player, so I believe in this. But I also learned that uh, what I thought was great last year as far as effort like in february or in the spring was maybe good it wasn't great and it can be great like it can go up more notches and i i think there's that feeling that guys see that you think you've pushed yourself to a limit but there's actually there's a it it extends further than than you realize and um, when you get guys believing that, and then you get guys who come in right away and nod their head to that, I would. This is where I would bring that part where Robbie's asking about, um, you know, that are in-state guys and like, yeah, let's go, you know, and they, they, there's no like pushing back. And then you've got veteran guys who are are helping them along to say this is how we do things around here. And then you know, Caleb's class in a couple of years or a year or two from now are the guys who are doing the same thing and tapping the next guy on the shoulder and say, this is how this works here, and uh, it's going to be done this way. And so if you can just get that, that feeding off each other, then you've really got something. And so I, I think they think they got the ball rolling on that. I really do. And that, now you, you hope you, you brought in the same type of guys who have that mindset who want to just keep that going. 
And, um, you know, as some winning hopefully goes with it and you add some wins, I think that makes it easier too, where it's, um, people see the success in the, in the W column. But, um, I do think there was enough like individual growth from players last year, like where they thought I got better as a player. I got my body better through what can Corey Campbell and this nutrition department is doing that. Mm. I believe in this and I'm going to, I'm going to tell other guys it works if you do it. BC, I think what I, I think what I was trying to communicate, which I guess I've had some hard times with a couple times this morning, but you know, we, we've heard Matt rule talk about, okay, the coaching staff staff sets the standard. I think that's the culture part that DB was talking about that's already set. Mm-hmm. But then the players take the ownership. And I think that's the part I was talking about with the in-state guys that sort of take an ownership in a way that you don't always get. Or they start But I do think you're kind of seeing it with players. In that a, are already there. The, the, the turnaround of Tommy Hill or Ty Robinson coming back. Okay. Or Isaac Gifford wanting to p- come back and play another year. Like – is there some tangible examples? Do you think BC to, to lend credibility to what Ravi's saying? Yeah, I would say so. Tommy Hill's a good example to use. He's um, it's unbelievable, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's come a I mean, long if, way. If you think about it, last spring, uh, like the first press the presser deal, like after the first practice, first day or two, Rule like goes through a few people who aren't there. Right? He uh, that weren't. He just plowed names them. Tommy Hill wasn't there. Now you understand around here we're dealing with, our, um, you know, past coaching staffs, and I'm not saying they did it necessarily the wrong way, but if somebody like wasn't there, the thought was like they're not there anymore. Maybe you know they're like not even part of this program or whatnot. And uh, in a couple of those cases, those guys were back within a few days or whatever. And Tommy Hill was one of them, where he's like on the field stretching, and we're taking a photo of him like a week later, and he's talking to Rule. And then by the end of the spring, you realize, like, he's one of Rule's favorite guys, just the way, like, you know, like, loves football and kind of goes after it. And it was kind of a lesson to me about how I should have known better from reading up on on Rule at, like, Temple and stuff. But just because there's going to be tough love at some point um, with certain guys or they might get even called out a little bit. Like, the, you know, the other day, uh, Micah Mazuka sort of got that, uh, you know, when he, he got mentioned. Great we'll point. He, how, mm-hmm. he, how he responds to it. But in the past around here, we would have heard that and been like, okay, that's not working how, how we thought. And we would have just flipped <laughs> it over to another, yeah. you know, like moved on to another book, right, or something, and be like, that's not, that's not an answer. And now I think you hear that. You're like, well, I don't know. But he, he's definitely been called out. Let's see what, what his answer to that is. And we've seen proof here already that there's a couple cases where guys have answered the bell to that. Tommy Hill is a, a great example. I mean, now he's like, you know, thought of as one of the better players on this roster going in. I, I was asking people on our board, like, name you, if you had to do the EA Sports rankings, who are like your top five rankings for Huskers? And, um, like, you know, Tommy Hill's up there. And so he's got a, he's won a lot of respect with how he bounced back, and um, I think they can share their stories back to the question at hand um, and say, <laughs> I I believe um, in the way this staff sort of uh, challenges us, like you know physically and mentally and all that stuff. And there's going to be times they're tough on you, but it's for your betterment. And here's what happened for me, and if you do that, um, maybe it can happen for you. So. There are a few of those with veterans, I think, where that that can definitely work. And then 
the in-state guys, back to that, I mean, they, they see it because they, they, like, live and breathe it even when they're in high school. They, I'm sure, hear on the radio about all these players and stuff. Like, they, they're in tune a little bit with what's going on with the program. And so maybe it's easy for them to kind of jump in and just grab the rope, too. I don't know. Yeah, this is beautiful because I think one of the things, and, and you know this, is because I would, I would share early on, oh, my gosh, I, I feel like I have an unnatural affinity for Coach Rule. And, and what is it? I had to check myself. Am I too close? Is this, is it just because, you know, and I would try to talk myself out of it. But there's two things that I love, and I think Trev is a lot like this too, where he's not complacent. He said, the thing that I have to guard against the most with my staff, especially having young guys, is this isn't Disneyland. This place will chew you up and spit you out. You, you cannot rest. And you've seen, like, there's been so much turnover. Some we hear about, some we don't. He's constantly tinkering with his staff. The no-nonsense policy with a couple of his coaches, whether it's a DUI or whatever. And I tell people this all the time, BC. The two greatest fears that I have raising kids is peer pressure and complacency, which is why I gravitate towards culture because it can help negate peer pressure because then it turns into a positive culture but mm-hmm. complacency which he's his coach rule spirit never seems settled he's tinkering with the staff he's critiquing coach's strengths he said out loud about coach Satterfield in terms of let's play to his strengths with tight ends and that position needs grooming and and with quarterbacks I don't want their attention split with an offensive coordinator and and my secondary I don't want to you know carve up Coop's time because of attention to detail like he guards against those two things, and it fits right in my wheelhouse. The two most dangerous things out there for people are complacency and peer pressure. Yeah, and with your the quote you were reading, your I, I, he must have said about you know it's not Disneyland. I, I've I've heard him kind of get to that topic a few times where. I think he's right, too. Around here, we like to be positive in a way. Like We were always trying to be like, you know, when, when Nebraska, whenever Nebraska Athletics does something well, everybody really jumps aboard it and, like, is really pumped up about it. But, you know, you can get a win or have something good happen along the way, but you also got to realize, and he said this multiple times, you're five and seven until you're not. And, yep. um, you know, you've you've – You've got to you've got to work yourself out of it, and that's the only way it's going to happen. Um, and so, like you, you can connect that to like they had a good recruiting class, so there was like good headlines about it, and there is a good vibe. Like, oh, this is going to turn around because Rule turned stuff around in year two and three at programs he's been in, in the past. Well, that doesn't just happen, and uh, he knows that, and and I think his players are realizing that. You you have to have those guys who say, we no, we got to go take this if we're going to get those six to eight points we need to flip three or four games or whatever you it is to, to change the whole script of Nebraska football it's got to start happen it's got to happen now you know it's got to be happening in these these early mornings while we're enjoying our coffee and, and they're and they're working so um, I, I do think he they're working hard to really get that mindset within their players 
And it does go back. Ravi's question, I think, hits a good point, though. At some point, too. I, I'm stuck on it. <laughs> yeah. No, you got to have the players then who say, this is what Coach Rule's about. It's also what I'm about. Yeah. So, like, I, I adopt that, and then, then, then the guy next to me does, and eventually you're hoping, like, 100 guys feel that way. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's interesting, BC. Uh, we're talking about Brian Chris Harvest and Husker 24-7. Yeah, I just I can't get past this. And I don't even remember where he said it. It might have been at the coaches' clinic in Texas, like last summer, where Rule's talking about setting the standard, the standard becoming accountability, and then taking ownership of the standard, and or or everything, right? The sixty-second breakdown of a play when you run mm-hmm. a play, snap it, get back to the huddle, be accountable, or you know, sometimes BC he'll be in a press conference and he'll say something like, "Hey, you know, we put." two in a row together but can we handle success or Mm. they lose a game and it's like okay well how can we bounce back can we go back to work is it the practical application of what we talk about like he's always Mm -hmm. on the gas whether it's emotional or physical because i don't think he likes for people to sneak up on him yeah it also makes me think this is maybe disconnected but it press conference recently he brought up uh, he brought up the end of the Maryland game um, oh, he was talking about winter conditioning yeah. earning stuff and he was he was discussing how you know we had this whole thing at the, in the days that followed oh they should have ran the ball there and you kick your field goal you go up three points which by the way is what I thought should have happened but that the, I, I get what his his point is is we ran a standard play everybody can run this play like across football it was what? not like a complicated play yep and we need dudes who, like, can, you know, and as a staff, we have to be able to function in that moment and can't hide from that sort of stuff and just realize, like, this is where you go make a play because you're a ball player and this is what you've been building for, for eight months to excel in this situation and to play the game. You know, it's third and goal from the five. You traditionally throw the ball there and you run that play and you succeed at it, and at worst it's an incompletion. Execute it as we've built up for eight months. And I can appreciate whatever you think about certain strategies of last year, there, there's definitely truth to that. It's like, you got to build a culture too, where it's like, no, we're going to play this game and we're going, you know, we're going to, uh, we're going to run the stuff we run here and not hide from it or shrink from it and all that. And I, I just thought it was interesting how he kind of was revisiting that and, um, made an overall, I think, good point about, um, the type of mindset they have to have over there in these months as they go into this season where they, they, they have to like, they have to embrace those moments and, and those type of, those type of things and say that well, let's do it. We've done this all spring. We've done this all fall camp. Let's just execute now. That's Brian Christopherson, Husker 24 seven mm. incredible stuff today. BC. We appreciate got another 25 minutes in BC. I was going to say we could go the rest of the show on that conversation, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we appreciate you as always BC. We'll talk to you again next week. Yep, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, B. That's Brian Christopherson, Husker 24-7. Coming up next, we've got Kevin Suits from 1011 News in Lincoln. He will be with us on Herd Out Sports Radio, AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. You're listening to Herd at Sports Radio.
We're halfway through the show here on Herd at Sports Radio, AM 590, ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. We're live on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. That's DB. I'm Ravi Lula. We are joined now on the War Horse Sportsbook Hotline by our guy Kevin Suits from 1011 News in Lincoln. Kevin, what's going on? Good morning. I got to know, did anybody sleep in Omaha last night after the big <laughs> Not a lot, man. I, I, listen, I, that's, the, no, that's the first thing I asked Robbie this yep. morning. I said, hey, how much sleep did you get? I know Bishop <laughs> got probably none. Oh, He's yeah. probably just rolling out of the rack right now as a quasi-adult. But Robbie didn't sleep. Not a lot. No, not a lot. You, you just called Bishop a quasi-adult? <laughs> yeah. He's an adult in age only. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I, mean, I love Johnny Bishop. Me too. He's him. hilarious. But, man, when he goes in on officials, I always text. I'm like, what are we doing? Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> what are we doing? I can't believe they didn't make the call. He says what I'm thinking. I love it. <laughs> Bishop is great. You know, I've actually had the privilege of calling games on TV with John Bishop. If you remember back in the day, he did the play-by-play for the high school state championship. Yep. They were aired on 10-11. I and, um, remember. Being, being right next to him during those – some there were some moments you were like, I don't know what's going to come out of that man's mouth, but we're going for it, you know? <laughs> but, so, full disclosure, back in, in JB's high school days, he had the single most uncomfortable – Many exchange I'd ever heard. So Miller North was playing in the state finals, Kevin, and they turned the ball over a time or two before half. And you, you kind of know how Coach Petito can be. And, and Bishop was like, hey, you know, you turn the ball over a couple of times late. You know, what this, that, and the other. Coach Petito looked at him, you know, as you kind of hand the mic mm-hmm. to the guy. And Coach Petito goes, yeah, I was there. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> I felt awful and was laughing at the same because we've all been there, right? I, I, I remember oh, yeah. one time I was – I've told this story. Central came back against Bellevue West, and this was like, oh, I don't know, oh three, oh four, and they were playing 94 feet, and Central couldn't score in the half court, and Bellevue West got up by like 20. And I said to Coach Woodard, write the dean. <laughs> and I go, this is at halftime. I'm like, hey, you know, Central having a hard time scoring in the half court, but you guys play 94 feet. It's kind of giving them a chance to get in the open court. Like, how do you look at the second half? He, awkward radio or TV pause, Kevin. And he goes, that's how we play. That's how we're going to play. <laughs> I was like, uh, sorry about that. <laughs> Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's not the awkward pause. It's the glare you get. Yeah. You're looking at somebody, and you're like, oh, you know. Let's be honest here. We all have our moments, and sometimes when the question comes out of your mouth, you have this internal dialogue as you're finishing your thought of like, this is the most ridiculous question. I'm an idiot. But you have to bring. You have to land it. So yeah. you at least just finish it, and then you just wait for like. How is he going to take it? And, you know, some coaches, they won't big time you. Some coaches, you know, a petito. No one's going to question what that man says. And yeah. when he, like, shoots a dagger back at Bishop, it's like, all right, no, I, I, I get it. You know, like, he, he is of that stature, and 
He's allowed to do that. So <laughs> being in that spot, you never know how it's going to go. You just got to lean into it sometimes and, and own it. I just think and, – and high school is different. Like, you have a ton of experience because you've done this for so long. So, you cover – like, you do it all, Kevins, and you love high school too. So, it's like – I remember there were times I would tell Ludke if I was doing the broadcast, I'd say, hey, going in at the half, you're going to be our interview. Just want to give you a heads up mm-hmm. because – you're like, okay, if they're playing well, you may get one thing if they're not playing well. And so sometimes I just think like in the moment when you're dealing with young people, it's a little more volatile <laughs> or at least can be. Oh, without question. I got some, you know, on this topic, I've got some Jim Weeks stories, you know, like the last person. Oh, you know, oh uh, yeah. A coach that's losing at halftime. <laughs> and it's not just the person doing the interview. You know, usually there's like a production assistant whose single-handed job at halftime is to get the coach you're supposed to interview. And do you think that this like 23-year-old recent college graduate wants to go up to Jim Week and say like, "Hey, sir, please come here. We need to ask you two questions before you go to." No, he just focused. (laughs) Meanwhile, it's probably 13 to 11 at the half, right? That is so great, so true and so great. And, and they're they're playing well now, though. They'll they'll they're going to be a high seed, man. They, that is a that is a good basketball team he's got. I know you're surprised. C one, uh, who's going to win C one? I don't know. They're all well, good. Omaha Concordia is really good. Hey, they're dangerous. Um, who's the real Wahoo? Mm. You see Wahoo hung seven or eighty last night on Bishop Newman. Yeah, holy smoke! Yeah, Ashland Greenwood, uh, Wahoo, Auburn, Concordia, like see, it's always hectic. Oh, it's just a really good class. It's going to be awesome at state this year. We're just a couple weeks away, and I can't wait. Hey, so what? So it's. And I, I was teasing Robbie because he was kind of, and I shouldn't have. He was. As a diehard Creighton fan, he was putting into context where the program has gone from the Mo Valley to the Big East, not necessarily Elite Eight versus beating a number one ranked team, but just the evolution of the program. The raising of the standard. What is the potential in that same context, Kevin, that if Nebraska gets a road win in Bloomington against a team that just got their doors blown off against (laughs) Northwestern, that we may lose context in the moment? (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, like the the difference here, Nebraska, Creighton, I hate to even like kind of compare them because it just is apples and oranges. Creighton's just had this uh, continued, consistent success for years. But in the context of Nebraska in the moment right now, um, you went on the road. You, you've at least walked away from the knock of this year's team that they can't win yep. away from Lincoln. So you kind of step out of that ghost, and you're able to say, like, no, and plus tonight would be win number 19. And do you guys realize that Nebraska, you know, they're one game shy of having the second most wins in the Big Ten. Yep. Um, and the, the one at the top is Purdue. So – they're they're in the mix, and I, I think that just the trajectory right now. If you want to really, you know, take the drone way up into the air and look at what Nebraska is doing this year and what it could mean for the future, it, the, the pieces in place and, and the the culture is changing. You just have so much more buy-in this year, and I think that these guys truly, truly value Coach Hoiberg and his staff, and they understand. I feel like there are less moments where. 
you know, uh, they break huddle, and then the players are like, yo, dude, I don't know if that play is going to work. I feel like they genuinely believe in what this coaching staff is preaching uh, from a foundational standpoint and also from an X's and O's in the game stamp. And that is a very difficult skill in this day and age with players wanting to change schools. So the fact that they got guys that, you know, they're grinding. If you look at the way, there's a lot of sweat equity with this team, and I mean it almost in a literal sense. Like, Rick Mass gives everything he's got every game. And I think Bryce Williams does as well, and so does Jawan when he's on the floor. So they've been able to get some guys that really just want to play hard for the coach, and they are they're, they're wanting to change the perception of the team. Tonight would be a golden opportunity for Nebraska to step out of the shadow of can't win the road game. They could get it tonight, I think. Uh, do it, what's your gut tell you? Does, do they get off the schneid? Nope, I think we lost him. Oh, did we lose him? Oh, there he is. Kevin, did they get a W tonight? I hate to say it. I don't think it's tonight. I think it's next week. Ooh, oh. That's Kevin Seuss, 1011 News <laughs> in Lincoln. Kevin, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, be well, boys. Thanks, Kevin. Ken Bykoff coming up next to talk about Indiana. Listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. Seven for Langbord. Where again? Yes, just right over Nicholson. Mullins rejected. My goodness, where into about the fifth row? Galloway, good shot fake, and a long right pass to where? Wrapping up hour number two here on Herd at Sports Radio, AM 590, ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. We're live on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. That's DB. I'm Ravi Lula. want to remind you, there's just four home games left for your Omaha Mavericks hockey team as they take on Colorado College in a top 20 matchup on Friday and Saturday night. Get your tickets now by calling the box office 402-554-MAVS or by going to omavs.com slash ticks. Let's pack the Baxter. Joining us now on the Warhorse Sportsbook hotline is Ken Bikoff. He hosts the Peaks podcast, covers Indiana basketball. Ken, how are you this morning? I'm doing great, guys. How are you doing? Good. Good morning, Ken. Welcome. Yeah, happy to be here. It's going to be an uh, interesting game as, as the season continues for both of these teams. Yeah. It's it's interesting because, uh, I mean, full disclosure, I'm a Lakers fan, so I'm obviously well aware of Hood Shafino and I cover the Big Ten, so I understand that transition. Any parallels tonight? Because I think he's critical. And I knew, you know, he had the boo-booey assignment the other day, but, like, when you look at Cups and you look at the young point guard play in this league, like, is there any talk or comparison with Hood Shafino? Is it is it different game, different story, or is it here we go again, another young point guard having to kind of steady the ship? Good for for Gabe Cups? Yeah. Well, you no, know, you know, those are night and day situation there with it with them. You know, because uh, Jalen came in and was going to be a, a guy that was going to be a star, was really really important to last year's team. Uh, when Xavier Johnson got hurt, Xavier Johnson is hurt again, and Gabe Cups, who is a guy who really should be coming off the bench, he should be your your ace guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the rotation, 
has had to play way more minutes than was really expected or that he's ready for. It doesn't mean that he's a bad player. It's just, you know, guys come into college at different levels, and, and Huchifino was uh, a star. And Gabe Cups is a guy that is learning as he goes along. And so one of the huge, huge flaws for this IU team was the lack of depth at point guard uh, going into the season. Mike Woodson really um, and his staff basically failed to get any kind of depth at point guard. And Mike Woodson has said that they went into the season just hoping X wouldn't get hurt. And then Mm. Xavier Johnson got hurt, and then he got hurt again. And uh, when Johnson's been in the lineup, he hasn't been very good. So this is a IU team that is um, struggling along, uh, incredibly mediocre, uh, has a good inside game, nothing good outside, and uh, just doesn't have any answers that are going to be solved for the issues this year. That That's the biggest problem with this group. Ken, want to stay looking at this year, although there are, as you mentioned, question marks moving forward as well. But, you know, Indiana lost eight of their last 12. What is – what are the hopes to be able for Indiana to turn around in these last six games? I mean, obviously – an NCAA tournament berth at this point is a long shot. They'd probably have to have a lot of work done in the Big Ten tournament as well. I guess what what's Indiana hoping to gain or course correct in these last six games of the season? Well, they're just hoping to find some kind of consistency. That's the biggest thing that for this team because uh, they they have been getting off to good starts or uh, you know they, they like for instance. Uh, uh, when the, the Hoosiers uh, took on Ohio State, their their win that they had on February 6th, they were down by as many as, as 16 to 19 points in the second half, and they managed to come back. Uh, Ohio State has done that a lot and ended up firing its coach because of its own inconsistency. Yeah. But the, the, the Hoosiers are just looking for some kind of consistency. And even against Northwestern on Sunday, Indiana was down by 16 and rallied to make the score close, but it was really just kind of an aesthetic four point. They, the Hoosiers weren't that close. This is a team that doesn't defense, uh, play defense with any kind of consistency, can't shoot the three, is not good from the free throw line, gets out rebounded uh, you know, most nights. Uh, it, it is just a, a group that is um, more like five players playing instead of uh, having a team on the floor at all times. Ken, it's interesting because I always look at, you know, I, I'm a big press conference guy and I like to watch coaches' mannerisms. And Woodson's a straight shooter. There's there's definitely no no question about that. You can tell he's experienced and and maybe even understands the culture or or or, or does he, right? A IU guy, but when I listen to him kind of address and talk with the media, I don't think he's indifferent. But there's a very fine line between that and matter of fact. Which way do you lean when you listen to Woodson kind of address and talk to the media? Well, he's definitely, you know, uh, he, he understands the culture. Yeah. And he, he, he definitely uh, is not indifferent. That isn't the case. Uh, but what I think is, is kind of the case is he understands, he, he continues to sell the vision of what he wants this team to be. And I think that he feels that they are somewhat close to it. Now, the rest of us with eyes disagree. <laughs> and, and, and don't think that that is, uh, uh, that is what, the, what the Hoosiers are doing. This isn't a matter of them just getting over the hump. It's a flawed roster, and it has been all season. It's why the Hoosiers went through the non-conference squeaking out wins over Moorhead uh, State and Florida Gulf Coast and Army and, and things like that. It's been a problem all season. Uh, 
he, he will say things like, it's not a matter of them not shooting enough threes, they're just not making enough. Well, by that same token, the Hoosiers are taking uh, you know some of the lowest uh, uh, shot uh, three-point shot totals, which is fine because they can't make them anyway. So it, it is really a, a team, I think, that he's trying to sell the vision of what he wants the program to be, but it's not necessarily what is everybody else is seeing. And so part of it, I think, is trying to sell um, his own team to play the way he wants them to. He's trying to sell recruits on what it can be, but that is somewhat at odds with what we see. We're talking with Ken Bikoff. He hosts the Peaks podcast and covers Indiana basketball. Ken, what is the feeling about Mike Woodson around the program? He's in just year number three, made the NCAA tournament the first couple years, but doesn't seem like people are enamored with the job he's doing. You mentioned a lot of issues with the current roster. I, I guess just what's the overall sense of around Mike Woodson right now? There's uh, a ton of concern. I mean, it, it's, mm. I don't think that Mike Woodson's going to go anywhere. I don't think he's going to get fired, any, anything like that. He's, he's been here for this is only his third year. Uh, however, that said, uh, the recruiting has not uh, gotten guys in the spots that they've needed. You know, you have the transfer portal. You could get guards. Indiana really didn't do that last, uh, last offseason. An offensive system that the Hoosiers are running, there's just a lot of standing around, a lot of uh, uh, things that in the previous two years when you had an All-American like Trace Jackson Davis or you had a guard who was creative and could uh, make things happen like Jalen hood Chipino, it masked some of the issues that uh, existed with that offense. This year, he talks about working inside out, and you know you do have guys like Khalil Ware and uh, Malik Renew, uh, Mackenzie Mbako that have, have done some, uh, some nice things, but in order to run an inside-out system, you need that outside portion. And that's where the Hoosiers really struggle time after time. One of the few games that they've had where they knocked down threes at a good percentage was against Nebraska uh, back in early January. And they went 9-18. But since then, you know, the, the Hoosiers just don't consistently make threes. So there's a lot of uh, concern because this is a team that's unquestionably Mike Woodson's team this year. The pieces haven't really come together in the puzzle to make a, a good picture, and it really is um, some concern going forward because the future of this program uh, right now as it stands looks like more of the same. You have the idea that Khalil Ware may go to the NBA because he has been very good. Mackenzie mm-hmm. um, Mbako gets a lot of attention, but it, it is a team that is going to need a lot of changes for the second straight year to be able to right the ship because what we're seeing right now is, is, is not pretty bad. So two things at home that can come into play. Sometimes it's, it's getting to the foul line and making free throws. Indiana's not a very good free throw shooting team. And, and making three-pointers, you don't shoot it well. So when you're looking for the recipe for tonight against a team that is desperately seeking a road win, especially in conference, What's the key for you in terms of playing to your strengths at home? You really have to control the tempo and make, make, make things difficult on Nebraska. That's when it's something that has really been a struggle for Indiana in, against a lot of teams to where they just haven't necessarily stressed uh, teams uh, defensively. They're, they're giving up a lot of points. They are. Uh, they do. They get beat off the dribble. Second chance points have been a real problem. So, if the Hoosiers could hit the glass, 
knock down some threes and build a, a little bit of a lead and bring that assembly hall crowd, which throughout the season, they might be frustrated with Mike Woodson, but boy, they want this team to do well. Mm. And uh, so you could bring that to bear on, on the brass to put some pressure on it and let the players feed off the crowd. You, you, you might be in good shape. However, this is also a very nervous crowd. You're talking about an 8.30 Wednesday tip-off, uh, 8.30 Eastern Wednesday tip-off. You have an IU team that you said you know, has, has lost a, a whole bunch uh, in, in recent weeks. People are starting to get real itchy about uh, Mike Woodson. I, I'm interested to see what the atmosphere in Assembly Hall is going to be like. If, they, if the Hoosiers fall behind early, get off to a slow start, which you know has happened, you know, this is going to be a crowd that isn't uh, maybe the most energetic. Mm. Ken, we appreciate your time Good and stuff, uh, Ken. enjoy appreciate the game you. tonight. Well, thanks a lot. Appreciate you having me on. That's Ken Bikeoff. He hosts the Peaks podcast. He covers Indiana basketball. Nebraska still a slight, slight fave, Ravi. I, I don't know. You in? Oh, I don't. We're gonna, uh, we're gonna. I think we're gonna fight about the resume again before we, <laughs> before we get out. Weird, of here another today. fight. Uh, more heard at Sports Radio coming up next. <laughs> Welcome to Hurt at Sports Radio. And the inbound taken away. Farabello is going to dribble it out, and the Blue Jays have never flown higher for the first time in program history. They've beaten number one. Jays win. They knock off number one in dominating fashion. 85 to 66. It's a mob scene on the floor. Kicking off hour number three here on Herd at Sports Radio, AM 590, ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. For this third hour, we're also on KFOR in Lincoln, live on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. That's DB. I'm Robbie Lula. We're brought to you by our friends over at the Team Jack Foundation. The 11th annual Team Jack Gallup, presented by Fat Brain Toys, is coming up this Saturday. That's February 24th in Lincoln. There are many great auction items up for bids. To learn more, go to teamjackfoundation.org. You can participate in the silent auction. You can donate directly to the cause. Find out all about their upcoming events as well. That's teamjackfoundation.org. Bryant Young, former 49er, going to uh, be the keynote guest speaker of the evening at that 11th annual Team Jack Gala. Uh, they've had some doozies. Boomer Esiason, I, I think I emceed for Jim Kelly. Ooh, you Jim got, Kelly's a good one, yeah. Yeah, Jim Kelly. Um, so the cool thing is Oklahoma Tyler's, uh, I guess, Stan, I, I'll say father-in-law, uh, is a huge Buffalo Bills fan. Mm. Huge Buffalo. I nice. mean, like, huge. And I remember before I left, because we were staying in the same hotel mm-hmm. uh, for the event in Lincoln, I I mustered up the courage to ask for an autograph, which n- almost never happens. I can think of Julius Peppers and... You got a Julius Peppers autograph? Yeah. Nice. So I got Jay Pep, I got Vince Carter, and I have Mark Rick. Mark Rick was here oh, for the yeah. College World Series yeah. at Rosenblatt's. But other than that, I'm a like, big Mark Rick guy. I love Mark Rick. Uh, me too. Love Mark Rick. Like, I, I think he's sensational. 
my buddy Banghart used to always like get mad at me because he's like, oh, you're going to win the Penguin. And I'm like, Jeff, why do I like you? Like, you can't keep talking bad about my guy. But anyway. I wanted him to take over for Bobby Bowden. So I, uh, that seemed to be a natural fit, but FSU was like, we don't want the retread. Um, <laughs> well, I wanted him to take over for Bobby Bowden earlier before he was a retread. The, uh, and I remember knocking on his door. So this is probably 945 maybe. Okay. And uh, he signed in a T-shirt and boxers. Like a reg, no, it's a cool thing. Like yeah. just a regular dude, just a regular guy. It's like, ah, oh, what do you need? And he kept having to like water down because he'd lost part of his throat and most mm-hmm. of his tongue mm-hmm. from, from from cancer. cancer. Yeah, and just the fact that he he just his humility. He was unbelievable. Talked about being recruited out of Pennsylvania, and he was. It was the real deal. It's a great great event. <laughs> I haven't been to a ton of these types of things. I think the one. The most recent one I went to was a Outland dinner that they did here when uh, Panay Sewell won it yeah. a few years back. Uh, um, I believe we were, we were at the same table. Same table. Yep. That was before you liked me, though. You were like, eh, I don't know about this guy. I probably just wasn't talking much in public. Yeah, well, there was – you were – Who was the table next to me? Somebody was harassing me. Well, Severe was sitting with us, so that was probably part of it. Yeah, he's fine. Um, I don't know who was sitting next to us, but I think because we were at a table – some fans from the other radio station had won some seats at uh, that table. Uh-huh. And so I think that's why you were not really. Was I, I was extra quiet, right? Yeah. Well, you also are watching. Creighton was losing a bad game to Georgetown that night, too. So. Oh, I was watching on my phone. Yep. Yeah. Yep. See? So I. Uh, yeah, I remember that. But it was um, the Air God, Force. I was like, God, the old Penny Air Force Sewell coach. Um, uh, DeBerry. DeBerry. Yeah. He was the speaker. I felt like there were a few inappropriate things said, too. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. But I, I left. I walked out. You you left early. Yeah, yeah I yeah. walked out on. I, no disrespect to Fisher DeBerry, but <laughs> disrespect to. Like there was some thing. I was like, huh? Is that why you left? Oh yeah. I thought you just had to go somewhere. No. I where where like, I gotta go at nine four eight eight forty five? I don't night. know, man. You, you run all over the place. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, picking my kids from practice. I, I, I never know. Uh, yeah. But there was. Um, so I haven't been to a ton of those. I remember uh, speaking of Bobby Bowden a handful of years back. He was at the uh, Benet Brith, I think. The Great award. Um, he, they brought him in for that. He was a f- former <clears throat> winner of that award. Yeah, I think that's when he came in, and he was speaking. And my mom, this was, I was younger. My mom tried to get me tickets, but it was, like, cost prohibitive. Yeah, so I remember Peyton Manning, one of the years, uh, shout out to, to Coach Perone and the Albion Mafia. He was at Benson mm-hmm. at the time, and... Keanu Ibis and Malik Haluchiweki. Oh yeah, from Bellevue yeah. West, and she was from Benson. Won the Benet Brith Award, nice. and Peyton Manning was the award. And I had a quarterback at the time, Avery Moore. He ended up being a great baseball player at Millard West. Mm-hmm. Well, was my quarterback huge Peyton Manning guy? Yeah, and got some pictures with Peyton Manning behind, like during the the event. I that used to be. I want what happened I to don't that? Know. That award? was a big deal, though. It was sensational. And every every year, do you know who my got, speaker was when I was a senior? Who? Bill Walsh. Oh, man, they got some. Go- I mean, we're talking about Peyton Manning, Bobby Bowden, Bill Walsh. Like they got dudes. Yeah. Like yeah. I and who was it at? Uh, I remember one time they had it at Exarban. It's not even open anymore. But yeah. The old horse racing mm-hmm. place. And who was this? Um, I mean, they've had some fellas. 
Well, speaking of some guest speakers coming in, uh, Bill Belichick's going to be down the road here oh, in yeah. a little while. He's uh, coming to the X's and O's Coaches Clinic for Coach Rule. I, I, I can't believe it. Like, that's a heck of a get. Yeah, I mean, it's Bill Belichick. It's Coach Rule. He needs multiple hands for a Super Bowl race. He's a funny guy. Like, he's Coach Rule's the type of guy that, and, and I can appreciate this about him, he's going to make you tell him no. He's yeah. not going to not ask. Right, yeah, yeah. Whether it's of you or for you for, or for on sure. your behalf. Yeah, like. No. He's going to make you tell him no. It's weird. That's one of the, you know, I we're I don't remember if it's on air or off air. We're talking about therapy earlier. and On. I can never remember. <laughs> the conversation is kind of – I got a text from, uh, you know, Alex Sindelar at all. I told you, one of the funny I've – ne- I don't know if I've ever met him in person. Okay. But he's just one of those young – remember I told you this last year? I, he's one of the young guys that I have an affinity for that I've never met. And it's not usually like that with young people. Hilarious. Because he's hilarious. Yes, really, really funny. And I joked with you. Remember I was like, I didn't know – I wouldn't think that he was a smoker. Oh, yeah. Remember? Man, I was to, yeah, bur- I've, t- I've talked about Alex a ton. My, my funny guy, dude. My guy Sindelar burns grits like nobody's business. <laughs> what but, did he say? So he texted me earlier in the show. I think it was when we were talking about the Indian genetic lottery. <laughs> and he goes, I'll read it. I'll read this word for word what he said to me. He goes, he goes, Ravi, you host the most insane sports show I've ever heard. <laughs> That's a quote from Alex Sindelar. Yeah, I don't think like normal people aren't going to probably say what I said to you. No. But it goes both ways. Like you asked me about banana pudding in Black History Month and I'm like, yeah, well, it's a so thing. I didn't know it was a thing. So my, my <laughs> whatever, we'll just go there, I guess. So my wife brought this up to me because February, Black History Month represented like. Congr- Again, the coldest, shortest month of the year. We we can't even grill. Not cold. It was like 60 degrees out yesterday. Yeah, it's different. I feel better. It's all right. You, you know. Shit. Yeah. yeah. But. So, my my views on that I'm not gonna get into, but yeah, that's fair. It's just history, really. The um, you, my wife brings up to me. She's like, "Yeah, there's. I think I don't remember who it was. It was some Italian restaurant. It's a national chain that goes. They go. She goes. Yeah, they got they got banana pudding for Black History Month as their like featured dessert. And it was a place that banana pudding does not make sense on their menu, right? No big deal. It's like it's not a tiramisu. It's not a. And I was. And she's like, that's kind of messed up. And I go, what do you mean? Like, I, I didn't, I wasn't making the connection. She's like, oh. kind of like hooping and being Indian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although I got that <laughs> jumper. Um, you can ask our guy JP. That's all I can do is shoot. That's all okay. I can do. Okay. Um, but I, and I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, I didn't, I didn't know that banana pudding was a thing in that community. Yeah. I was unaware. One hundred percent. Her, her, she's a pastry chef. Her, uh, the the pastry cook that that works under her is is african-american and you can say the word can it's black? Okay. you can say black it's okay. fine like we're boys so so the her assistant in the pastry department is black and she like i know she has made banana pudding for different like get-togethers and stuff i thought it was just a thing that she liked mm-hmm. i didn't know it was like a community thing yeah and she's like no like banana pudding is a it's, it's a black thing yeah and so i asked you i was like is that like, is, is she messing with me? Like, is this a real thing? And 100%. You're like, oh, and you're like, oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's my barber's favorite dessert. Banana pudding. Yep, and is he's so particular, and he's bougie. Like, okay. you know, he's salted edge, like memoir. Like, he's... So I get along with him? Yeah, super au-courant, right? Get, get, like, get him over there, V. Mertz. Get him over to my guy. Come on. Uh, maybe. You know, even places like Talus or... Uh, 
Like, well, I haven't been to Salted Edge yet. I haven't been out there yet. Yeah, Chef Joel. So Chef Joel will come to your house. Oh, nice. Like next, that's like the personal private. Although your wife cooks and she's a chef, so maybe that's not her thing. But yeah. like he will come to your house and prepare meals. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably just go out to the restaurant, but yeah, uh, sh- shrimp, shrimp fried deviled eggs. See, I'm not a deviled egg guy. Yeah, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, so I threatened this before. <laughs> you're pu- you're pushing the friendship boundaries. <laughs> I just don't. I mean, what you, am I? you're a grown-up eating crustables. Number one, uncrustables. <laughs> how dare you? What do you have against deviled eggs? I just don't like them. Okay, I don't want to get too distracted because that's going to upset me. I don't. I mean, what do you have for deviled eggs? I just, I just think a boiled egg is is good. I got. So, a, I wanted a salad to go from a place over on 120th and I. Yeah. Because they used to have huge chef sal- salads. Mm-hmm. I don't love hard-boiled eggs in the first place. Oh, so, they're spectacular. So we're, we're starting off in a weird place there. And so I hadn't been in there in a couple years, yeah. it seems. And I go, hey, you know, I just like a side salad. Tuna was the special. Mm-hmm. And I wanted a cold. She said, oh, we don't do chef salads anymore either. I was like, what is going okay. on? Okay, all right. Like, what is, you go right over to Kroger's and get 60 eggs for like five bucks. That's true. You so do you have to have your boiled egg on a salad? I think that's when it's best, but no, I like deviled eggs as well. Gotcha. But anyway, my barber is super bougie, but he will, he is very particular about his banana pudding because mm. the standard, and she's since passed, is his grandmother's banana uh, pudding. I got you. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, Caleb mean, loves it. Banana pudding? Yes. Me and your barber might have to hang out a little bit. He sounds like my, my type of guy. He, I'm telling you. He's the guy that also said he'd give Caitlin Clark buckets, and he wouldn't. <laughs> I don't think. He's 52. No, he's not. He's not giving her buckets. He's slight, and he's fit. That's fine. I don't care. And he can shoot, and he was runner-up player that Mr. Basketball in Nebraska. But that okay. was a long, well, so long time ago. That's what I mean, if he's 52, we're going on like Three. almost 35 years ago now. Yeah, he's sensational. One of my... You you talk about a guy that's like a good sounding board. Yeah, he's amazing. Good dude. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's a thing. I don't know how we got here from Bill Belichick. Oh, I, but Bill Belichick. Uh, so Bill Belichick is coming. Oh no, we were because you were talking about how Matt Rule makes you makes you ask. It makes you right? tell him no. Yeah, yeah it makes you tell him no. Uh, is there? Do you know? Is there a relationship there between Rule and Belichick? Gotta be pre-existing. Because so I think he's got something in his office from Belichick. Too. He does. He does. So what? And I, it's on. And it's. I was trying to figure out what the connection. So was. I tried not to like be that dude because mm-hmm. I was just captivated how over on the other side he has like a working station for his daughters. Yeah, yeah, he's got a little desk and stuff. <laughs> it's. <laughs> and one really, really is like into sports. The other's like, Bleh. yeah, <laughs> like Leon Viv. Like, what's going on? But anyway, um, but he's not a huge memorabilia guy. But he is very. Uh, Intentional, maybe? In his nostalgia. Mm, okay. Yeah. So it has to be meaningful. So I, I imagine that there's something you know, meaningful. You stuff just for the sake of having Yeah, right. Not like a yeah the bone collector, but, um, well, that's different. <laughs> that's, a collector. Yeah, that's a different thing. It's a great book. So you don't just have all the signed stuff or no, whatever. It's no. just he's got specific no. stuff that means something to him. Yeah, stays in a moment. And his office is cool because it actually looks like it's worked in. Well, I mean, he, he probably does. The, the man. No, it looks worked in. The man does some work. Uh, so here's my question for you, though. So Belichick coming to the coach's clinic. I was looking at this anyway. 
is it weird if I sign up not being a coach? So you have so part of the registration is they will ask you your school affiliation. Okay. All right. So because I kind of want to just go to learn. Yeah. Like, I kind of just wanted to go because I looked at the thing and it said anybody over eighteen can go, but then they ask for your affiliation. So at least for the part of the clinic. I mean, I, I, could, I could send you the link. Did you walk yourself through the link? I did. I walked through the link, and it, I, it looked like anybody could sign we up. We registered as a team, but we were there last year. Yeah. Because uh, I kind of want to go. It, so, you know, speaking of, like, prerequisites, like, Coach Lamangi, if like, professional development mm-hmm. is a must. Sure. Yeah. Like, you're doing something or going somewhere, and then you're bringing it back to the table for our junior clinic which is in march do you think coach lamangi would adopt me as a made-up title so i could go yes because yeah. <laughs> i kind of i don't i don't want a fan schaefer told me he's being accused of being a notre dame he is is he yeah he's he's like a like an inside operative it's not true like he is being i've on the message boards it is a thing that people are like ah lamangi's in the bag for any is this over christian jones yeah, well, it's the Rezacs and then Christian Jones. Because here's where it started. Let me walk you through the process here, okay? Okay. So it started with uh, the Christian Jones visit. He, he's planning a visit to Notre Dame or whatever, right? Yeah. And somebody's like, ah, the Rezacs are in his ear because both of those guys are going to Notre Dame. And then somebody goes, well, more than the Rezacs, you got to worry about Lamangi. He's got, he's got, he's in the, he's in the Notre, he's in the bag for Notre Dame or whatever this. I don't know how that, remember how they said it. Um, and I was like, where? I was like, aren't those the only – I mean, so Xavier, Watts, Watts right, and yeah. up at Notre Dame for, from Lamangi as well. But it's not like – I mean, he also had Hickman and Heinrich. At Nebraska. Same time, went to Nebraska. Had Caleb going to Nebraska. Like, I don't – and I know you said this on air. Coach Rule did our pregame for State <laughs> which, on Zoom. Notre Dame made a late push at Caleb. Yep. Right? Yep. And I don't, I don't think Lamangi was in his ear about like, hey, nope. you got to go to South Bend. He doesn't even work like that. But it's a, it's a thing. It is a narrative on the message board God, people can that make Lamangi you, people is can make you dumber. in the bag for ND. And I coach Christian specifically. Yeah. Right? Like my guy. Yeah. Wouldn't I be the great equalizer? I would imagine. <laughs> But I'm not telling you where to go to school either. Yeah, that's neither I, would a, neither would anybody that cares about their the no. the, the the young man's best interest or young lady. I could see because I know you were. I I mean I think you told me this that that X was kind of like hey maybe you should come check it out over here. Yeah, kinda so peer recruiting. But, so X and but here's to X's credit, mm-hmm. he did not say come to Notre Dame. He said. I know you better not commit to Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> and Caleb didn't listen, obviously. No. Uh, but I, I'm just – I could understand maybe if – But a, they're boys, yeah. right? But I think you're selling both the Rezacs, Coach Lamangi and Christian I'm not Jones selling short. anything. I, I, just, I just think people – whether it's your, your colleague, your teammate, or whatever, like there's a practical application of mm-hmm. it. So selfishly, I'm going to be chastised for casting my – Selfish views on you and not allow you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So it's not like Teddy and Anthony are gonna say, "Hey, man, come." I know it seems like it would be normal, but there's there's this thing called respect, mm-hmm. where they don't come at you like that. It's not like if I want an answer to a question out of respect, I don't just pick up the phone and and ask somebody that I could ask to get an answer because I want to respect the boundaries. Mm-hmm. 
Same as, as Teddy and Anthony. Like, like DJ isn't – the convoluted story about Carter Nelson and the plane and this and that going to North. Like, people just make up stuff. Yeah. They, yeah. You know, but I'm not out here chasing lies either, right? So mm-hmm. sometimes you just let it ride. You let it go, yeah, because it doesn't matter. But, it, no, like – Like, I could, even, I could understand a situation if, if Christian Jones was like, hey, I'm kind of looking at Notre Dame. Tell me about what you liked about them. Yeah. That's a situation that makes sense where you're having a conversation, right? Teddy, Anthony, DJ having that conversation with CJ, right? But if I I would be surprised, I don't know the boys that well, but I've talked to DJ a decent amount on the sidelines and stuff. I would be surprised if they went out and sought Christian out to say anything to you. No, and here's the thing. This is the kicker. And I just watched this. A handful of weeks ago when Nebraska brought the Calvary to Westside. Mm-hmm. They're not telling you. Do you know what Coach Rule said to Christian? What? He's like, hey, I want you to experience everything. This is what I would tell young people in your position. Mm-hmm. Go go do X, Y, and Z. Take Ex- experience this. Mm-hmm. Ask these kinds of questions. Come back and tell, you know, Talk about it with people in your your circle of influence, like that you trust and care about, and always weigh your options because it's a big deal. It's not just about us, right? Like, sure, would we like to know how we could better recruit you? That's cool, but but experience it. Same thing. It's what it's why I gravitated towards Coach Ferentz. The same thing that he said. He's like, hey, all these people are going to tell you what they can do for you, and it's this, that, and the other. But during the recruiting process, it's going to be a feel thing. Mm-hmm. So so take your time and make the right decision because you want to have – you want to be committed. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, <laughs> hey, don't do this. Yeah. I think the ver- the following weekend he was going to UCF in Florida. <laughs> do you know what yeah. I mean? So it's like peop- it doesn't work like that. It may work like that in like the Some message places. world. world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where people assume that that's the narrative, but co- it's not. Well, it's not how it works. And Coach Rule seems very much like, and I don't know if he said this specifically or if I've just sort of made this conclusion based on some of his comments. But he doesn't want you to pick Nebraska out of default. No, I don't think he wants you to feel trapped either, right? right? It's the same guy that would pick up the phone and call UCLA on a coach's behalf. He wants you to pick Nebraska because you explored your options and you want to be at Nebraska. Yeah. Right, you can't really say that you want to be at Nebraska more than you want to be at anywhere else if you haven't been anywhere else, right? You can't say that oh, I I love being here. This is the best fit for me if you didn't look to see if anybody else was a good fit. Yeah, right? and it's not like it doesn't work. Like I'm as close to DJ as anybody, but it's not like DJ said, "Hey, you know, Notre Dame's coming up on a Saturday morning. Like I really think you should listen to him." Mm-hmm. He, and he could if he wanted to. Like, we talk about a lot more serious things than that yeah. personally, right? But th- that's not uh, out of res- – that's not how the relationship works. Right. Right? Like, if he's for you, then he's for you. And it's the same with, like, you know, Coach Lamanji or anything else. Now, is, is peer recruiting a thing? Sure. Absolutely. But that's I more mean, like, hey, I want to keep playing with right. my friends. Right. Right. That's all it is. That's not how college works, though. We talk about peer recruiting like it's this 
this like sort of. It's more of a high school thing yes. than it is yeah, absolutely. college, right? I mean. But it's also kind of like, okay, you know, you talk about a lot of was made about like Danny Kalen peer recruiting to this Nebraska class mm-hmm. with some of the in-state kids. And yeah, I, that's not a real th- Like, you can attempt it, but it doesn't. Yeah. I'm not sure on its long-term impact. I don't know about long-term impact. I think it can matter of feeling like you're wanted even a little bit more. I think it can And it depends on the kid, too, because sometimes their experiences are their own and and yours are are your own. Mm -hmm. So to to try to connect that, like Mm -hmm. if if another student-athlete wants another student-athlete to come to a certain high school, Mm -hmm. it has... Like it may be from a, a, a different vantage point, right? Like yeah. if Marion Jackson's talks talking to Chase Lofton, mm-hmm. it, it's it has to be like like Chase has to be able to say to himself, okay, like Marion's like arguably the best receiver in the state. Whatever, mm-hmm. can I get my? Bo-? It's not, hey man, Miller South is for you. It has to fit. Yeah, that makes sense. With what your goals are too. Coming right. up next, we're gonna talk to Anna Bellinghausen. Uh, wrap up our coverage on Creighton and UConn from last night here on Hard Ass Sports Radio. You're listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. Uh, it means a lot. This group, you know, starting in June, you could see it start to come together, and they they put in a lot of hard work. They believed in each other. Uh, they bought into the unselfish brand of basketball that, that we like to play here. Um, so I, I couldn't be more proud of them. And, you know, they're never going to forget what happened here tonight, and that's a, that's a special memory for those young guys. We're back here on Herd At Sports Radio, AM 590, ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities, and KFOR in Lincoln. We are live on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Joining us now on the War Horse Sportsbook Hotline is our very own Anna Bellinghausen of Herd At Sports, who was at the Creighton game last night. Anna, how are you this morning? I'm doing well. I feel like I didn't sleep at all, but here I am. Robbie didn't either, and I gave him a hard time, so it's it's okay. Like, he's probably a good two and a half hours behind you, but you should have heard his voice, like, in the opening it segment. Was I was like, it was bad. What is, oh, no. go- what is going on? It would have been worse if I was sitting in, like, real seats and not with the press because I'd have been losing my mind. I compose myself a little bit when I'm sitting with the press, but I would have lost it. AB, what time did you, or at what point did you let yourself go full-fledged fan, or did you not? <laughs> I so I try to keep it pretty good, uh, pretty professional. But when I was sitting on the baseline, like if someone had a camera on my facial expressions, it would definitely have shown quite a bit. Um, it, at that point, there's just not a way to just contain your emotion, regardless if it's your team or not. Like you're still watching amazing basketball in a moment that's never happened in Creighton history. So you can't just be a robot and, you know, not let your emotions show at all. But it was so cool. I mean, standing – I was literally standing up waiting for the court storm right on the baseline trying not to get run over. So um, we were we were right in it. A.B. and Ravi Lula here for court storming. Uh, let me ask you something here, though, Anna, because Ravi was kind of explaining this moment in terms of – being a crate, lifelong Creighton fan in the Mo Valley and going to the Big East and then the transition and then booing that or pitting it against an Elite Eight run 
versus what happened last night. Can you or how do you separate those two things? Because they're both very significant accomplishments. Although I was like, hey, one's in the regular season, one's in the postseason, but they're both of great significance. Like, how did you kind of balance that? Yeah, it's a good question. It's funny because I actually asked the same exact question to Ryan Kalkbrenner last night. I had asked him in the interview, how does this rank in your Creighton moments? Because, I mean, he's been around the team the longest. And he said the lead eight is still above it just because it was the postseason and the postseason matters more. So I think that's a simple answer, right? Because obviously it's do or die in the postseason. And in the regular season, you, you get so many chances against these teams. But to be the number one team at home in the fashion that they did it, I almost think that fans might remember that more because obviously more people were at that that were true Creighton fans versus on the road, um, you know, during March Madness and in going to the Elite Eight. But I think it's it's hard to compare the two just because it's regular season versus postseason. But, I mean, if you're going to pick something to happen to a team, I'd rather have it happen in March than right now. Uh, just because you want to see your team go as, as far as possible. But it's a great question, DB. And Ryan Kalkbrenner said the, said the answer I think most people would say, and that's Elite Eight. And maybe i got to look at this more from a coach, right? Because I, always t- I talk about this all the time. And where, when you go from the hunted to the hunter or you've, you've made a run, whether you're the Chiefs or the Patriots or even our own high school team, where it's like, okay, I was here last year, and that's far but I need to stay in the moment because that's what's ingrained. Like, maybe it's just about staying in the moment and enjoying that as a benchmark for a coach because your team's not fast-forwarding to the postseason. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the sentiment from McDermott post-game, too, and just this is just one game. Like, this is an amazing milestone. This is historic, but it's just a building block to what we've, been you know building since June when we came in here for summer practices and honestly nobody on this team was surprised that they won it it was funny just watching them in practice the day before like you wouldn't have guessed that this team was about to play number one UConn just because of how calm and composed they were during practice and just it was just regular it was just same old same old and Paul Renner told me I mean last night in our interview too just hey we're a bunch of old basketball players at this point we've been there done that (laughs) They were down 7-0 to start the matchup against the number one team, the unanimous number one team who's obviously been better than every single team in college basketball this entire season, and they didn't waver whatsoever. So I think that says a lot just about the maturity of this team and also where it can go. But, yeah, I think the sentiment is one game at a time, and they're just going to keep rolling and see how far they can take this. We're talking with Anna Bellinghausen, our very own Herd at Sports. At what point – did you start to feel like, because you mentioned that 7-0, 11-3 start for UConn, and at, at what point did you kind of start to feel like, oh, Creighton might be able to pull this off? Obviously, by the end of the first half, they're up by 14, but was it during that little Stephen Ashworth run where they took the lead for the first time and, and sprung ahead of UConn, or, or where were you mentally when you're like, yeah, this might actually happen? Honestly, obviously when Jason Green took that three, which the corner three, which I think should live in Creighton history forever. I mean, the hometown kid hitting that and going uh, and giving his team the lead over number one. I think that was that was amazing. 
but also just the defensive stops that Creighton, that Creighton ended up getting. I think um, also the Stephen Ashworth, I mean, 16 points in that first half for him. I think once you saw Ashworth get going, you knew it was going to be a good night because you're always having to rely on, you know, Baylor and Trey and uh, Kalkbrenner. But if you have another guy in Ashworth or Jason Green off the bench, Farabella off the bench, when those guys are hot too – I think there's no slowing down this Creighton team. Maybe it's a cheat code because I'm kind of I know some of these guys in the workouts. But a couple, last week I was talking about Preston Murphy and and how Coach Mack felt about him and his totality as a recruiter and underselling that he was a skilled drill guy. Mm-hmm. It seems like we're kind of underselling the presence of Mitch Ballack too, as mm. he's one of those guys, A. B. that is a skill and drill guy has really helped the guys in terms of their skill development because of his work regimen. But we kind of look at him as like, oh, this he's just coming back to hang around the program. I, I think maybe Mitch Ballock, maybe his presence is a little undersold in his skill work. That's actually a really good point because it's something that I think gets overlooked a lot. But Mitch is a phenomenal coach. I think he gives the guys a ton of confidence. And he can relate to the players in a way that the older coaches can't, obviously. He's, he's fresh off his career. He's fresh off his time at Creighton. He played with Ryan Kalkbrenner. So, you know, there's, there's a connection there that's, I think, deeper and just more understanding. And I think Mitch brings so much to that coaching staff and maybe something that they were missing in, in years before, too. So that's a really good point, DB, about the impact of, of Mitch. And I'd be curious to talk to him and, and how he's handled the X's and O's of basketball because I, I think his – his basketball IQ is obviously phenomenal, but <laughs> yeah. also just, just the relationship he can build with these guys and the confidence he can instill. How he viewed his team at all. He's like, yeah, well, I always thought we were pretty good. And, you know, people kind of pressed him on it a little bit, and he, he kind of stuck to his line there. But in terms of how you've seen this Creighton team, does this change at all what you think their ceiling could be in, in terms of a, a March run? For sure. I think I'd be silly to, to say not just because, you could go in this game and get blown out by 20 points at home just like UConn's done to pretty much every other team in the past game. So um, for them to come out with a dominating win at home um, in front of all the fans, in front of that atmosphere, and live up to the expectation, maybe the expectation that um, maybe not the fans had, but maybe the media had right away. You know, they were, what, eighth preseason in the country. So I think there's, there's a lot to say about this win. I think it's a statement. It's obviously huge for the resume for March but yeah I think it does impact um, this team moving forward and its confidence and most likely Craig will match up with UConn again in New York City and for a round three that could be pretty amazing so this is a huge confidence boost and they should feel pretty good about themselves moving forward. That's Annie Bellinghouse and our very own from Herd Out Sports. Anna thanks so much for joining us we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks guys. I think Nebraska would trade in their Purdue win for a win tonight versus Indiana on the road? Ooh, interesting question. Let's get to that next. Let's fight about Nebraska's resume more <laughs> here on Herd Out Sports Radio. <laughs> Listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. Wrapping up the show here on a Wednesday on Hurt at Sports Radio, AM 590, ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri Cities, KFOR in Lincoln. We're live on Twitter, Facebook, and 
YouTube. That's DB. I'm Ravi Lula. We have a surprise visitor for us this morning. His ears must have been. I literally just texted him, too. He did, yeah. And he's, like, rolling in, and Shane goes, is that Jacob right there? We've got Jacob Padilla joining us here on Purdue Sports Radio. JP, what's going on, man? Good morning, guys. Uh, I, I promised Damon that I'd come up and help him with something, and we were talking last night. He's like, I hey, just come up a little earlier. He's like, hey, all right. I, Plus, Jacob knows I'm pretty stew. <laughs> I was, I'll be honest, what time, what time did you leave the arena last night? Uh, walked out like 4.05 a.m. I thought you were joking. No, I, I was apo- serious. I apologize. I, I, and so I was like, man, I. He I, goes, I, you're not going to see Jacob. He didn't <laughs> leave until probably 4 a.m. And I. I didn't even bat an eye at it because who, like, why, who does that? Well, because you did the pod and then yeah. you wrote, right? Uh, I, I did most of the writing before the pod, but yeah, we didn't, we didn't get out of there. Why until didn't they kick you out? They don't care about they, us. They like, they, they're just working out there. Uh, they're just cleaning. They don't care. We just close the door and they go about their business. Don't worry about us. Four a.m. Yeah, I saw a picture of him and Maddie D taking the selfie outside, and like you could start to see the sun coming up almost. <laughs> I must have missed that on social Did media. Did you go to bed both guys? Yeah. Uh, I don't know how much I slept, but I at least laid down for a bit. <laughs> Did you dream? <laughs> I, I don't even remember if I ever dream. So okay. I'm, just, yeah. I'm just dreaming about. And you're whining about. I wasn't whining. <laughs> I was just saying my, my. He's on well then less than four hours of sleep. I'm on about Three and a half. Well, welcome to my world. Yeah. It's not healthy. Like, no. don't make a habit. I was going to say. can make it up later. <laughs> so. Yeah, but stre- you won't make it up later. <laughs> so, no. comments in StreamYard are very much Pad- Padilla-esque. No, they would not trade the win. I don't think they would either. Jacob didn't even think about it. I said, hey, would you trade up the Purdue win for a road win and take your chances with the rest of the schedule? Yeah, you look. You said just the opposite. No, they, I think you need something like that at the top of the ledger, especially with the kind of with the, Wisconsin the decline Wisconsin the on that kind of lessens that win somewhat. Uh, if Wisconsin on was they still good, with. does that would that matter? Why do you know I Wisconsin's not good, Robbie? They haven't been playing good. <laughs> I mean, that's not rocket yeah. science. How about there. what Iowa did to Michigan State? Are we going to act like that didn't happen? <laughs> I don't know what to do with Michigan State, man. Seth Davis will probably still rank him in their top 25 or whatever. Is, the bias is unreal. And, and Ravi looked at me yesterday, and he goes, because we were talking about bad teams that can win a championship. And, like, he, and he was trying to convince me of Michigan State. And I go, I don't, you, I don't think you can convince me that they could win a national championship. Nah. I, was trying to find the, I was trying to find the line of the worst team that could win a national title. I don't even think it's Iowa State. You think it's higher than that? Like better than them? Yeah. Because that's kind of where we landed the other day was Iowa State was sort of in the neighborhood where we were talking about. Young, young Jacob, would we see a, a four or lower seed in the Final Four this year? Who, I, History I, says we will. Yeah, that, and this year more than any other. I guess it'll, it might be a little different, like the, the neutral site aspect of the thing, considering how wild it's been, like the home road splits mm. this season and how many really good teams have been unable to beat unranked teams on the road. You're so really you think like oh, a team like Kentucky open. only has yeah. three quad one wins? That's the same number as Nebraska. <laughs> Your squad uh, FAU is going to be like an eight nine. Season. Why do you keep calling them my squad? I'm not a. Big I don't. FAU I don't get the FAU love. Uh, I mean, they made a Final Four last year. I I understand. Back, so I understand. That. I understand. But then you just I just watch them. I I get the Davis thing, even though he has one of those sneaky games. Mm-hmm. Because, like, when you, watch John, when you watch Davis, it's like, well, how does he do it? 
not elite probably at any one thing, just probably more crafty. He's one of those guys that is your quintessential. But he's a, he's a tough guard, though. He's your quintessential good college basketball guard. You look at him and you're like, eh, probably don't like him as a pro much. Probably doesn't have enough elite skill to do something like that. But I don't know, am I, am I crazy to think he's, I don't know about stylistically, but like somewhere in the neighborhood of like a Shelvin Mack went for Butler? No, better, better score. Okay, fair. Uh, don't take my word for it, though. I'm, I'm just J- Jacob. Who was the best player on the floor last night? Who? That's a uh, that's a difficult question because uh, at halftime it was either Stephen Ashworth or Ryan Kalkbrenner, and then Tristan Newton got going in the second half and got I like, them. In the- I, I like how you somebody f- it, we failed. We didn't give Kalkbrenner much love. I don't even know if he's come up today. Uh, he has we talked about Farabello even more than Kalkbrenner. I'm glad you said that because I think you're right, especially defensively. We talked about Jason Green yeah. the most. Yeah. And deserving this. I mean, we've come to maybe take Ryan Kalkbrenner for granted somewhat uh, as Absolutely. a group watching this team. Uh, and even uh, fans for a long time, because of the way it looks, and it isn't necessarily the prototypical skill set for a great uh, college center. Um, and the numbers weren't crazy last night. Yeah, but – and he had four blocks. He had at least two turnovers directly because they were terrified to try to, to shoot him. around him yeah, yeah. and left their feet and had no one to throw yeah. to. How the about the block away. when they cut it to 10 and, they, and Connecticut had the ball? Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, massive play. and um, Swatted clinging a couple times, yeah. including yeah. on a dunk. Blocked him twice, back in his face twice. <laughs> two of his scores are uh, – uh, I think his first score against him in the first one, too, is where he blocked him. Block. Yep. And then at that point, he's out of position for a second play. You just need better luck with where the ball's going. But, yeah, Klingon, uh he, he – uh, he has not really – Crane kind of made him his impact minimal. Uh, obviously, the foul trouble played into that, uh, and he got a few dump-offs. La- lateral back, quickness but. is very subpar, too. Now, granted, maybe the knee was bothering him, but situationally, I, I was talking to Ravi throughout the game. I thought the advantage Creighton had going into this one, part two, Mac being better than, than Hurley, showed itself early. Creighton's action – Right. 15 feet up away from the hoop was spectacular. Well, and that's the biggest difference. I mean, uh, Creighton, the way they handled what UConn threw at them mm-hmm. was much different. But, like, there was a massive disparity in what UConn was running the first time and what Creighton was in terms of execution, creativity, um, setting hard screens, moving well off the ball, all that type of stuff. Like, UConn, they were running great stuff the entire game against Creighton last time. Like, the guys were running – uh, this time, complete opposite. Creighton was getting guys open all night long, and they were stuck to UConn's guys like glue. If if Nebraska gets one done on the road tonight, they've shown a couple of different ways to skin the cat. Indiana doesn't shoot from the foul line great. They're not good three point, a good three point shooting team. Who, in your opinion, has to be the bell cow for Nebraska tonight? Ooh. Trying to remember that first game against them and who played well matchups wise, what they've got there. See, the thing is, they're at their best when they don't have one player. It's four guys scoring 10 to 15 points or whatever. Um, they're capable of winning when K State gets on a heater or obviously rank mass go, goes off. So um, they've got guys that are capable of that, but I, I think. Uh, they're better off when they've got just kind of collectively as a team different guys stepping up because they don't have that one guy that every game you can rely on that like all right you're going to be our guy you're going to go out there get 20 for us Um, it's just 
the team is so well balanced. I think that's your best path because I think uh, Khalil Ware they they had a uh, didn't really have a great um, game, kind of slowing him down. But nobody else for Indiana really good got pro, going. Good pro, think, so. good pro in his future. Uh, yeah, I mean. <laughs> Probably be a better pro than uh, the way his college career has gone, just in terms of success and uh, the way things have gone around him. Mean, there's definitely s- some tools there. I think he still has uh, some things to work through, some things to prove. Um, I know some aren't as quite quite as high on him as, as others may be. Um, but a couple guys on UConn, I feel like that. To 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 be honest, that you're a little too that other people are a lot higher up. Yeah, that I'm not really. And you're not a castle guy. I don't see it. Yeah. I just think the days of being effective in the NBA without some sort of skill, offensive skill, it's just it's very very hard. I asked, Ananubi, even some of these guys that came in with Hunter from Virginia have worked on their offense enough to be viable, but it is very hard to come in without something that I could visually see you build around to function at a high level i asked db because we both were kind of on the same page with castle i go you know who he kind of reminds me of who do you think he said uh he and i maybe have had this conversation who think villanova cam whitmore yeah that's that's actually the first <laughs> thing that came to mind all three of us because yeah. i and i maybe asked you about this well, sometimes saying i don't get it you, i don't you see know. what Whitmore's doing in the pros. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to be a very good player. Um, and I think Castle had, like, settled in. He'd been playing really well. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's winning every Big East freshman of, of the week award and, um, up, up until that, that, that Marquette game. Uh, but, yeah, it's just kind of the rare athletic tools, the, the, the traits, the length, the twitchiness there. And he had been starting to shoot better um, recently. I, I get think. it. I get why but people like him. Also, there aren't. It, it goes to the, the class as a whole. Like yeah. there aren't a ton of great options. So take the dude with traits and see what he Hope turns for the into. Best. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's the reason I didn't love when the Warriors drafted Kaminga. I mean, we had this conversation in that yeah. draft. I was Kuminga like, another anybody but Kaminga. Yeah. I didn't, I wanted anybody but Kaminga. And here I am two years removed. I would have loved the Kaminga Wiggins, the two first rounders take LeBron and Christian Wood, make the numbers work, <laughs> right? Like, never would I have thought I would have said that out loud. Yeah, well, and, and, and Kaminga's come a long way from where he was. And it almost didn't click, like, it, until his, uh, like, trait, like, hey, I'm not happy. Yeah, until uh, the little outburst yeah, about Steve Kerr. Things didn't quite click, and, and that's the risk of them not figuring it out on their rookie deal. Like, that's, <laughs> that's the, the advantage of taking a rookie is he's going to cheat for a while but if he but takes if he four years out, to develop yeah then he's not going to be cheap anymore and so in a bad it's space a you don't know what he is yeah. jp let me sneak this in real quick tonight with woodson and hoiberg <laughs> does somebody have to win that matchup from a coaching standpoint to get this one done in a one possession game on the road or for you when you watch this do you think it'll be about the players I think it'll probably be about the players this late in the season. Like, both teams are what they are. They, they should know what the other team's going to do. And, and they've already played each other once. So maybe there's some, some tweaks that Nebraska will have to anticipate after handling them in the first game. Uh, and that'll be where, where Hoiberg kind of shines. But it, it's, it's a player's game at this point. You need them to go out there and play well. I didn't say it at all today, but Jason Green from Miller North, a Mustang. There, there we go, go, baby. Do you like Nebraska tonight, JP? Yeah. Me too. Hail Varsity Radio, every weekday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m.
On Thursday's show from counterread.com, Brandon Vogel, former Colorado football head coach Gary Barnett, and staff writer for The Athletic, Mitch Sherman, that and more. Hail Varsity Radio is the best sports talk radio show around. Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal have you covered every weekday, 4 to 6 p.m. with Hail Varsity Radio.